on episode 114 of Pixel Guide In. What games would we play all over again? A battle of the mini golf handheld games. A retrospective on the Nintendo Wii. Eric talks good retro inspired games. Do you have a favorite video game badge? New companies reissuing old carts. Cody spills beer everywhere. Atari starts doing a bunch of good. Until they don't. Eric, it's that time of year. It's September. I really don't know what that means. Like, it's not October. I can't talk about, like, ghost stories. It's not August. It's not hot summer. It's just September. Yeah, it's just September. The thing <laughs> I used to associate with September is back to school. So it's wah, 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 wah. Oh. <laughs> I should have been ready for that. Hold on. Wait. Do I not have that anymore? <gasps> there you go. I do. Yeah, September's always associate with me with... Uh, going back to school so it's always kind of a bummer <laughs> yeah our, our, girl, our girls go back to school in august but hey yeah um what have you been up to the last month eric man just been super busy at work uh just my daughter's been doing volleyball and heavy rotation lately so i been oh, yeah. going to games like two or three times a week so just been trying to keep up what about you a uh, couple things um and I'll just be quick about them because they're not retro or retro-related. Uh, my daughter also has been doing a whole lot of volleyball. Her very first day of school, first day of high school, she had to do volleyball tryouts, which were one day long. And at the very end of tryouts, they announced the teams, and she started the very next day practice for their first game the next day. <laughs> yeah. Just go. <laughs> yep. It was they, crazy. They had, they, at my daughter's school, they had a week tryout. Oh, for a whole week, week long. Wow. And it was the week, I think if I remember right, it was the week before school started. And then at what, right when school started, practices began. And I, you told me uh, offline, she was voted in as captain. Is that correct? She is. I, I keep calling cool. her. Well, I don't want to say her name, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I call her captain and then her name like all the time. She gets kicked out of it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> she, said she is captain of the volleyball team. Her, her real name is Volleyball, so we exactly. just call her Captain Volleyball. Um, I also uh, went uh, golfing at one point, and my cartmate and myself went over a bunch of yellow jackets and got stung four or five times each as we drove the golf court across the golf cart, screaming, trying to run from a bunch of yellow jackets. Wow. <laughs> got attacked actually, by yellow Yeah. I got so on my leg. So you think you ran over arm. their nest or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And he... Uh, he ended up uh, t- texting me later that day. He actually went to the ER to get a Benadryl shot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just went to, I was getting pretty fuzzy the next day. Not fuzzy, uh, puffy. Yeah. And I ended up going to the uh, the old CVS and getting some Benadryl. But um, I also uh, decided to go on a diet, which started, I think, last episode. And super stoked. God is good. Hit my goal weight. Lost 16 pounds in just about a month. Wow. And, you know what's funny about that is 
Besides so my hardcore, I just cut my calories. Probably not the healthiest way to do it, but I just stopped eating food, more or less. Um, but I had this unhealthy obsession with this ho-ho that you can get. It basically looks like a ho-ho, but you can get at a, at a place around here called Mod Pizza. Uh, yeah, I know where Mod Pizza is, yeah. Yep. They make this thing. They call it a no-name cake, and it comes out of the freezer, and it's the most amazing-looking thing. And I was just like... It became like my screensaver on my phone. Like, this is what I will eat as soon as I hit my goal weight. And doggone it, I did. So Boom. I was excited about that. Boom goes the dynamite. Or as Eric would say. I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> wow, that's an old one. That's a throwback. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, my wife and I just got back from Kansas City, Missouri. Actually, Kansas that, City, did, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. Did that destroy your diet? <laughs> <laughs> I was done with the diet, so yeah, I, it, it would have if I uh, if I counted calories still. Like got some barbecue and stuff. I went there for NASCAR. I had a good time. So that's what I've been up to. Nice, that's awesome. That sounds like like a lot of fun. And congratulations! It's hard to lose weight. I'm finding, especially in my advanced age, it's getting much more difficult to do. So uh, it, it is getting more difficult. It's easier to gain it too, though, which is. Also a negative. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much easier to go, yeah. <clears throat> well, Eric, I don't know if you know, but if you're looking for retro games or retro-inspired video games, talk and reviews and beer, then you're in the right place, Eric. Excellent. Right here on Pixel Guide In, episode 114 this month, uh, we are going to have um, a full palette of savory retro treats for you, starting in this episode in which we are going to hear from our buddy Tim Drew from across the pond. He's going to talk to you about the Nintendo Wii. It's a little retrospective that Tim is going to do for us. Uh, Eric, you have a take on what you talk about. So I talked about retro-inspired games in my Steam and Switch collection, my favorites over the years. Very good, because you, you typically go older, like C64, that era, but now you're going to start letting us into your retro-inspired world, which I'm excited to hear more about. Yeah, yeah, so I, I think it was fun. We are, of course, going to catch up on some news together in this episode, and then we have a battle of the systems, which Tim Drew, our buddy, helped us choose and then quickly bowed out of to do six good games next episode. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept he picked a couple of Bobby Dazzlers, didn't he, Eric? Yes, he did indeed. He picked um, for, so these were both handhelds uh, or games on handheld systems. Uh, the first one is Itchy and Scratchy Miniature Golf. I think that's the full title. I don't know, that, but let's go with that. Miniature that Crazy Golf Boy. is that is that what it's called? Something like that. Yep, yep, so that's on the Game Boy, so Itchy and Scratchy mini, mini Golf, and then on the Game Gear, we chose Putt and Putter. So they're both golf-themed to some degree. I call them alternative handheld golf games. There you go. Yeah. All right, officially it's called The Simpsons, colon, Itchy and Scratchy in Miniature Golf Madness. You that's are right. way off. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's just Putt and Putter. Putt and Putter. Which I don't even know what that means. It sounds like a, like a skinny dude and a fat dude in a comic book. Putt and putter, <laughs> here they come again. Um, and then next episode, episode 115, Tim Brew will join us. We are going to catch up as like we like to do. We are going to have a reoccurrence of the, the third installment of the game show that you created, Eric. Although, I'm going to MC this one. I'm going to let you and Tim go at it. 
uh, which is what, what do you call that game show again? Ten dollar pyramid. <laughs> ten, ten. Even though there's no ten dollars, there's no pyramid, but there is a wheel. That's and right. We'll be spinning it. Uh, and then, of course, I get my little segment, Cody's Corner. I'm going to talk about the new Evercade release that came out the uh, with the four Sydney Hunter games from Collector Vision yeah. and uh, my experience with that. And we're going to finish it all up with six good games in which I just said, no, it'd be fun. Let's just pick games with dragons. You know what? There's a lot of games with dragons. So there that'll is. give us some room to breathe and, and uh, stretch our legs a bit. So. There you go. That's Pixel Guiding for this month. But before we do uh, anything else, we'd like to jump right in to the Retro Video Game Talk by having some quick questions. Quick questions! So the first question I have here on the list is from you, Cody. Oh, And the question huh. is, what are some games that you're actually itching to play all the way through, all over again, even now? I think I, I explains it pretty well. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess a lot of games we like, was, there's a lot of games you like throw on and play a little bit and you're like, Oh, I love that game. I remember that game. And then you tick that box and you move on. But like yep. for the most part, these are games that you're going to have to, you're like, no, I want to, I want to go beat that game right now. Yeah. And I, I just did that a couple weeks ago. I played twisted metal two all the way through again. Yeah. I've probably done that a hundred times, so I'm not going to count that one, but Ones that I wish I had time to go back and play through again, and I, I, I'm itching to play through that. And we've talked about this on the past. Uh, in fact, in the past uh, couple of months, I talked about this. I'd love to go back and play Far Cry 5 again. That was one of my favorites. So I would love to just go start from Ooh, scratch okay. on that and go all the way through it. Um, I, 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 I'm just not, I just can't think of one right now off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I, I, a burnout. I went I, every once in a while. I'll go through burnout, like one of the burnout games. I do yeah. love playing through all those again. Takedown, I beat not that long ago. I think, well, not that long ago. That's probably what a couple of years ago now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might might be time to revisit that one again. Um, but other than that, I, I, nothing's coming to mind. What about you? Well, I broke mine down because I already had these in mind. But these keep coming up, and you haven't noticed me talk about them over and over again on the show. At least the first two. But Heroes of Might and Magic Three. Honestly, it has to probably be my favorite game of all time. It's up there, definitely. Good news about that game, and it's a fantasy uh, turn-based strategy slash RPG kind of a thing. Um, really, really good game. Heroes of Might and Magic 2 was good. Heroes of Might and Magic 4 was good, but 3 was the sweet spot. And they just released it on iOS, actually. Oh, wow. Slightly updated graphics, but still, you know, it's, it's very touchscreen oriented. And, you know, that's a perfect platform for it. And I haven't actually looked into it, but I might pick it up on the iOS just to have it. Just to play some more here with my Magic 3. Um, I'm hoping it is, uh, you know, you pay $20, you get the game, and that's it. Ho- yeah. Hopefully they didn't find a way to microtransaction it. Yeah. So, we'll see. Uh, the next one, which I really have been itching to, to play because it's, you know, here's my magic three is hours and hours and hours and hours. Uh, but Resident Evil 4, Eric, I always talk about it on the show. I remember playing through it, falling in love with that game, just absolutely loving the experience. And as soon as I finished it, I'm like, I wonder what the beginning of the game looks like again now that I know all all the things you can do. And I started playing it again, like literally the same night I beat it. 
And I started playing, and I got th- like through three or four levels before I'm like, wait, why am I playing this all over again right now? What am I doing here? <laughs> and I just loved it that much, and I haven't been back to it since, and I want to. I might try it on the... I heard the uh, Wii actually has a really good version of it because the motion controls actually work really well with it. Okay. Um, Symphony of the Night Castlevania on the PlayStation. Uh, classic, classic game. Want to dig my teeth into that one again. And then a, kind of an off one. Um, I can't remember if we've talked about it on the show or not. There's a game that came out on the PlayStation 3. It's a first-person shooter. Never got that big. But it's a game called Singularity, and it's kind of this alternate reality Russia um, Cold War kind of a feeling game. But really cool story-driven game. Kind of feels like Half-Life or a game like that where just as you play it tells the story. Yeah. Rather than being cutscenes and things. Um, really, really cool game that I think more people should know about. So, Singularity on the PlayStation 3. And you beat that one. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, wow. I've seen that game, and it always intrigued me. But um, at the time, I didn't have a PS3. I do now. So, that might gotcha. be interesting. Um, Symphony of the Night's one that I almost beat, and then I never went back to it. So, that might be one I should go back through and almost beat it again. Did you almost beat it, Eric? I got the, about maybe 75% through it. Oh, do you? are you sure, though, Eric? Why is that? At this point, if you want to call it a spoiler or not, everyone on the internet, if you look this up, you know about it. But you get through the entire castle, and then okay. the entire map inverts upside down. Right. And you have to beat the whole thing upside down again. So I just I've didn't know if you that. got to that point. I have not. I have not. So you were 75% through half the game. Correct, correct. Just yes. saying, just saying. It's kind of crazy, kind of crazy. Um, I'll read the next question here, Eric. Pajaco6502 asks, uh, quick question for the next session. What is your favorite? Sorry, I can't help. I can't say it that. I can't say the word favorite with a U in it like that. It just <laughs> messes with my mind. Right. Uh, what is your favorite logo or badge from any retro system? Uh, modern retro things like Evercade and Mr. are allowed. He'll allow it. He'll allow it. Um, man, logo or badge. So I'm going to assume that means not the like startup screens, right? Nope. Nope. So the logo, um, I always liked the dreamcast one because mainly because here in the U S it was orange and white, which is my favorite, one of my favorite color combinations, the old sickle color or orange sickle color while you're wearing orange and black right now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I would say probably the Dreamcast one. Um, yeah, I really can't think of any logos. I really, I mean, I, I never was a big fan of the chicken lips for the Commodore. I mean, people <laughs> talk about that, but I'm not a, I wasn't a, like, wasn't enamored with it. Yeah. It's, um, a, yeah, it's I'd nostalgic, say the but not necessarily one. good. Right. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say Dreamcast. What about you? So without looking behind me and staring at them all, the one that pops in my head my head is actually the Nintendo 64 because uh, I think it, first of all, I think it's a super cool logo and it can be used. Like I've seen people make like coffee tables out of the logo, right? Yeah. It's like a box. It's four, basically four ends connected together to make like a box open at the like top a, and bottom. Like a cube. And, yeah. yeah. Like a cube kind of tilted. Um, and I think it just better than any other logo. I think it embodies what that system was, which really was kind of like, this is the first like legit 3d system that does 3d. Well, yeah. Uh, and here's the logo and you can tell it's Nintendo and you can tell it's a 3d system and it's colorful and happy and cool. So I'm going to go with that. 
Yeah, and it's funny because it's a cube, <clears> and then <throat> the next game was the next console with for Nintendo was the GameCube. <laughs> GameCube, yeah, for sure. Uh, Eric, yes. I, uh, <laughs> this is me trying <laughs> well, to think of a segue on the spot. Um, tell me about our show sponsor. <laughs> Our show sponsor, which we appreciate very much, is RetroRewind.ca. Um, I want to talk to you about something in particular, Cody. All right. All right. Do you like it when you system stops working and then you open it up and there's <laughs> just disgusting acidic goo that is all over the motherboard that has leaked out from these weird-looking radial... The little components in there. Do you know what that is? And do you like it? I don't know what it is. And I love it. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I don't want it. My, I don't want my sisters, to, my systems to destroy themselves. Of course not. Of course not. Cause you spend all this time and money on these devices and they can quickly have these little time bombs inside that explode and get, yeah. Do you ever see the, the, the movie alien or aliens and they, <laughs> So it's like this stuff that comes out, his blood is like acid and it, it goes through the deck plates and the spacecraft and it just like goes down through multiple levels and it's just, it's hissing, it's bubbling and it's through multiple circuit boards and ROMs. Yeah. I don't want to scare anybody, but that's happening inside of all of your <laughs> retro equipment right now. So, <laughs> so anyway, so what do you do about that, Cody? You, well, these things I, are called capacitors. I have no idea. I have no idea what to do about the capacitors, Eric. You tell me. Yep, so there's there's capacitors in there. Now, I want to go back a little bit down memory lane a little bit, and I want to ask you, Cody, what's the first system you ever recapped? Because I know you have. So what we're talking about are these capacitors. They have this uh, acidic stuff inside. They leak out if they – and it doesn't matter if you're using the system or not. They're based on age. Do you remember the first system you ever recapped? The first one I recapped would probably actually be a Famicom. Oh, Really? Yeah, there's a couple yeah. capacitors on the on the power supply, and then uh, and there's a couple other parts. But soon after that, I recapped a Commodore sixty four, Eric. And so my second one was a Commodore sixty four. My first one was a Sega Genesis. So All right. now the first one I did, I, I was new to the game. I was just a new kid on the block, <laughs> and I I went I went and found some list online, like from the schematics that showed like the capacitor list. And I went hunting all over the internet for the capacitors, right? Um, And then I ordered them individually. You know, and sometimes you can't. You have to order 10 at a time. So I ended up with like 10,000 capacitors. You don't have to do that anymore. And I'm going to tell you why, Cody. Hmm. Tell me more. If you have a Commodore computer, Commodore 64, 128, Amiga, a Coco, you can go to RetroRewind.ca and they have the capacitors all picked for you. If you have the cojones to do it yourself. You can buy a bag of capacitors and resolder them in. And he's done all the work for you. Frank at retro rewind has done all the work for you. You will get a little box that has all the capacitors you need and you can do the work. So and they're going to be quality capacitors. capacitors. We, we know where they're coming from. They're not, uh, who knows who put that on the Amazon specials. Exactly. These are made by elves in Canada. So you know, their quality. <laughs> Um, but what if I, I can't put them made. in my? What if I can't put them in myself, Eric? Yeah. So let's say you open <clears> up <throat> your Genesis or your Commodore sixty four. Well, he does Commodore, so and 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 the Coco. Let's say you open up your sixty four and you look at it and you go, 
well, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I, I you know, I see the acid starting to destroy everything. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You can send that to Frank at RetroRewind.ca, and he <clears throat> will have one of his elves or him. I don't know. I don't know what he does, but I don't know. Magic his ways. happens. Yeah, I don't know his ways, but one way or another, it's going to get done. He's going to he's going to recap it for you. Super fast shipping. You send it to him. He'll recap it for you and send it back for prices that, frankly, are ludicrous. Not the rapper ludicrous. Not the rapper. Just, oh, okay. Just ludicrous. <laughs> um, and on his already low prices, you can pop in a code PG10 to get 10% off from Frank at RetroRewind.ca. So you go there, log in, go to RetroRewind.ca slash PixelGuiden, log in, and then use the code PG10 and you will save 10% on any recapping job, on any recap kits, and on any of the myriad of products that Frank has on his website. He has all sorts of stuff on there, so go check it out. Um, there are tons of different things, um, from SD card solutions for loading stuff quick on your devices, uh, to diagnostic cartridges, to all sorts of things. So go check it out, retrowewind.ca. Hey there, it's Tim, and I've got all the information you need about the Pixel Guiden podcast. If you didn't know already, you can find the show Podbean site by visiting pixelguiden.com from your browser of choice. And while you're on your browser, why not check out our podcast feed on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network? You can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. Have you got any questions? Has something we've said driven you crazy enough to want to call us out? Or you just want to say hi? We love getting your feedback. So here are the ways you can contact us. You can reach us on the show Twitter account, which is at pixel underscore guide N. You can email us and our address is podcast at pixelguiden.com. And if you want to reach us directly, that's Cody, Eric or Tim. The best way to get us is through our Discord channel on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You can get there by becoming a patron of our show at $3 or more. And we will get you a link to join the fun. If you want to reach Cody, Eric or Tim directly, you can get us on the following platforms. You can reach Cody on Twitter or X and that's at oddball49. That's oddba one one four nine. Eric is also on Twitter and on Mastodon and you can get Eric on Twitter at the project. That's D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T and at Mastodon is at the project at oldbytes.space. And Tim is on Mastodon at Sanxion, that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N, at oldbytes.space. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd give us a review, and also for any of the other podcast catchers that you may use. Here on Pixel Guide N, we like to announce every patron subscriber that subscribes at a $3 or more level by using our random adjective generator and a little bit of song. This month, I thought, hey, what style of music have we not done yet? How about we head on down to the opera? Pixel Guidance! These are the ones who made it possible for all of us to talk again. Are you meditative and stiller? Boys, Chris, Jason, Holland, to Mr. Toast and Scaly Paul Jacobson. 
geriatric Josh Malone, our Jason Daniel James, Radio Tannenberg, and the eluding Eric Sandre. Welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim. The Nintendo Wii. It's not really retro and it's not cool these days. Or is it? If you're listening to this podcast because you love gaming, then you're bound to have played a game on the Wii. And if you came to this podcast and this part totally by random, there's still a good chance that you've played a game on the Wii. Let's face it, they are the gaming hardware equivalent of Electronic Arts FIFA. You see them everywhere and for dirt cheap. You can pick these up all day long on eBay for the white coloured standard edition for around about 40 to £50 pounds, with a bunch of games and some weird looking plastics to slot your Wiimote into. So they're not exactly setting the world on fire as a collectible item. So from this we know they're super popular and because of this they're common and cheap. Great, so why am I even bothering talking about it? Well, if you don't know the Wii story, let me explain. The Wii was launched in, wait for it, 2006. Yes, that's 17 years ago. Let's say that again. The Wii is 17 years old. Let that sink in for a moment. Now, you would think, as with most Nintendo hardware, it was released in Japan first and six months before the rest of the world. Well, no, not this time. The Wii was actually launched first in America during the month of November 2006. Then in Japan, Australia and Europe in December 2006. There was a gap to 2008 when it would get released in Korea and Taiwan and eventually in Hong Kong in 2009. Now, I can only think these gaps were down to the crazy demand of this console when it first arrived on the market. In 2007, the Wii was the hot item, especially during the holiday season. I can remember shops not being able to meet the demand. What stock was available was getting grabbed by scalpers, and those Wiis were being sold at times for double the retail price. 
with people actually paying these prices so they could surprise their kids with the Wii for Christmas. Another reason for the Wii's sales craze was the ability to mod the Wii and run Burn Game CDs or the Homebrew Channel. This was an app that you installed on a compromised Wii using a soft or a hardware mod. One of the first exploits found was using the first Zelda game for the Wii, The Twilight Princess. This exploit became known as the Twilight Hack. This was a game save mod using an exploited .elf file that you would copy onto the system, fooling the Wii to load the game save that would run the exploit and allow you to then install and run the homebrew channel. This would open up the Wii to run bootloaders, WOD managers and USB loaders so you could copy Wii games to a hard drive and run them direct from the drive and also be region free so you could play Japanese games on an EU or a North American system. By the end of the Wii's lifespan, the console had sold in excess of 100 million consoles. Now in anyone's estimation, that's a lot of Wii. As with anything, all good things must come to an end. In 2011, Nintendo launched the successor, the Wii U. However, this never performed anywhere near the dizzy heights of the Wii's sales. Another part of the Wii's success was the groundbreaking control system with the combination of the handheld controller, the Wiimote, that was used in conjunction with the Wii sensor bar. This meant you had a truly wire-free motion-sensing controller system. However, with this came its issue. Disclaimers were put at the start of the system and whenever you loaded a game that you had to use the Wiimote and the strap to strap the Wiimote to your wrist before playing as there were numerous instances where over-exuberant players would be flinging their arms into the air to virtually throw a ball down a lane in Tempin Bowling only for the Wiimote to come flying out of their hand and impale itself into the screen of your expensive plasma. But all that taken into account. Generally, the Wiimote was a massive selling point and also transformed the console and brought it into the hands of other users who shunned systems with joysticks and pads as geeky things to play with. The Wiimote was cool as you interacted with the controller and it moved on the screen with no wires. So you could be fishing on Wii Play, hitting a home run with Wii Sports, or turn 90 degrees shoved round in a wheel-type controller, and you could play Mario Kart by turning the wheel left or right. Look, Ma, I'm driving. Based on the popularity of the system, this sparked a raft of new games, the cream of the crop being the Nintendo first-party titles, like the pack-in Wii Sports game, Mario Kart Wii, Super Mario Wii, Super Mario Galaxy and the aforementioned Zelda game. Also, Metroid Prime, Super Smash Bros. Brawl and the Mario Party games. There were many third-party Smash titles on the Wii, but it's also known for what I call shovelware. Games that were just low-quality cash-ins just to use a name or a thing to get sales. This type of game, I'm afraid, is all too common for the Wii, and it soon earned a reputation, and that devalued the system in my view. Another trick up the Wii sleeve on the early release console was Nintendo's genius move to make the console backwards compatible to GameCube, to the point where it had four GameCube controller ports and two memory card slots. So it allowed you to play and have access to the GameCube catalogue from day one. 
And then we can't forget to mention the Wii Shop channel. This allowed you to access WiiWare, which was software written by either third parties or releases of Nintendo games from the past. These were installed using what is called a WOD file, which is essentially a bundle that contains the game, software and a means to launch it from the Wii menu front end. These were and still are widely available and you can install them using a soft mod. There are some classic games available and the original third party titles that only saw the light of day on WiiWare. Now that I've mentioned the Wii Shop, it's possible that you have that music playing in your mind from the shop channel going around in your head. If you don't, here's a quick listen. This music was composed by Kazumi Tutaka, one of Nintendo's most prolific composers, and Wii Shop Channel Music has been the inspiration for many jazz covers of the tunes from the Wii menu. Go have a look on YouTube, there are loads of them. So that's a bit of backstory about the Wii, but what about the console hardware itself? Well, the Wii was not the most groundbreaking in terms of tech spec. The Wii was power PC based with an IBM CPU running at 729 megahertz, 64 megabytes of DDR3 RAM, 512 megabytes of NAND flash storage, um, an SD card slot for expansion along with the GameCube memory card slots. The GPU was provided by ATI using the Hollywood chipset running at 243 MHz. The Wii also had Wi-Fi and Bluetooth enabled, along with two USB 2 ports at the back. Video resolution can be obtained on its highest of 480p using the component cable that was sold separately. Out of the box was a standard composite connection with a European SCART to RCA phono a jack converter packed into the box. The specs of the Wii was never going to set the world alight, but what it did best was deliver quality entertainment with the usual Nintendo polish. So there we go, now you know about the Wii if you didn't before. But what was the main reason for me talking about it on this episode? Well, it's a shameless need on my part to want to dig out my Nintendo Wii from its resting place in the back of a cupboard and fire up the console and see if it A. still works and the NAND storage has not been corrupted B. if I can find some cool games to play that I might have missed in the past and C. gives me something to talk to you about this month In my loft space where I have all my retro stuff and my home office which is where I record this very show I have a cupboard that is full of stuff. Not too long back, I spent a couple of hours sorting this out and clearing out some old hard drives that I had stored in there. In amongst all of these were my two Wii consoles, the original Wii and my Wii U. I pulled out the Wii, the Wiimote, the PSU and the sensor bar. I also have the component cable for the Wii to get the best signal I can. I also used to have a small hard drive around about 200 gig with a bunch of games on it. Could I find that drive? Nah, no. So 
that presents me with my next dilemma. Considering I can actually get this working again, what do I play on it? Now I do have a bunch of physical games for the Wii, but I have no clue where they are right now. And before I even think about that search, let's verify that the console indeed still works. So I bundled up all the stuff, placed it on my worktop, and then found a suitable display that had component. This one being my faithful Samsung white LCD screen. This has all the inputs you need, SCART, HDMI, composite, component. Now, if you're not familiar with a component cable, this has five RCA or phono jack plugs on the end of the cable, and the other end has a Wii Multi-AV connector. The five RCA plugs are for the separate signal inputs and two for audio left and right. The three for the signal are YPBPR. They are comprised of three coloured red, green and blue cables and essentially is a derivative of RGB signals. Excuse me while I get techie a second. The signals are split this way. So Y carries Luma, which is brightness or luminance, and it carries the sync signal. PB carries the difference between blue and Luma. PR carries the difference between red and Luma. With that being said, it's simple. If you have a component cable uh, for the Wii, this will give you 480p. I do believe the component cable is also capable of driving 576i and even up to 1080p. But in this case on the Wii, it just outputs a 480p. So with everything set up, I switch on and boom! No, it didn't explode, but it just worked the first time. Now, this Wii has a hardware mod called WiiKey. This hardware mod is soldered somewhere onto the DVD drive. I'm not uh, kind of sure exactly where it was. Um, this one was done for me by a friend at the time who was modding Wii's up the wazoo for lots of people. So because my Wii is modded, it boots into a menu. From here, you can't use the Wiimote, so you have to use the power, reset and eject buttons to select through the menus. From here, you can go to the Wii menu or straight into the homebrew channel. The homebrew channel on my Wii has WAD file launchers, the USB loader. So at the moment, I don't have a drive with games on, so I skip directly to the Wii menu. Up comes the menu with the familiar screen which looks like it's split into channels on little TV screens and that familiar sound running in the background. Next, I pop in a couple of AA batteries into the Wiimote and it's not syncing with the Wii. I guess I use this one with the Wii U at some stage. So it's simple to sync back up. Uh, press the little red button on the back of the Wiimote and the uh, sync button on the Wii is cunningly hidden under the SD card flap. Um, once you press that one and on the Wii, press that one and then the sync button on the Wiimote, it will sync up. Nice and simple. Now, what do I choose? On the menu, I have the disc launcher on the top left, uh, the Mario Kart Wii channel and the shop channel, etc. Now, I also have some WiiWare installed from WOD files. One of these is Sonic the Hedgehog. So at least I can test out the console with that. So I start up Sonic and my TV goes dark and nothing, out, nothing comes up. It says out of sync range. That's odd. I never get any issues with this screen and it even works with the X68000. That is a real fickle mistress. 
I fumble through the settings to see if there are any different video mode. Nope, that's not working either. Now I grab my trusty Dell monitor that has even more connections than the Samsung. Uh, this will get it going. So once it's connected up, yep, bingo, it's working. So at that point, I call it a day and I'm going to tackle the hard drive another time. So the next day, this is the point where I spend an hour or so looking around in the loft for that old drive and come up blank. Can't find it. So, yep, that's it. It's time to make another. So this is what I did uh, and what I needed to get this all going again. So one is something like a 250 to 500 gig hard drive in an external USB enclosure and one that you can completely wipe. So you don't want anything on it that you need to keep. Uh, two is a modded Wii with the USB loader on it and preferably the homebrew channel. Uh, three is some Wii games that you own um, that you can find a way to rip uh, the DVD using some of the tools out there on the internet. Um, I've not got time to go into that right now. Um, you can or you can just download them, but I'm definitely not going to tell you where to get those. You also need a program that will allow you to uh, import those ISO files and convert them to WBFS format and allow you to format your external drive to the correct format to copy those games across onto. For this, I used a program called Wii Backup Manager. So I just found a couple of games out there as a trial and one of them turned out to be a real gem. And this being the Milestone Shooting Collection, Karus. So once I, the games have been copied over onto the hard drive, I booted up the Wii into the USB loader and fired up the game. And I was in Wii Shmup Heaven. The Milestone Collection is one I would recommend checking out. It has three shooters included, Karus, Radagy and Chaos Field. The main one is Karus. And this is a cell-shaded vertical shooter played in the Tate screen mode. It's a bullet hell shooter that has fast-paced action, but seems to play very well and actually quite fair. I wanted to try and find some indie WiiWare titles. I dug up three games. Chick Chick Boom. This is a kind of a cross between Worms and Angry Birds. Very amusing. Uh, Jet Rocket. This is a 3D platformer. And whilst the camera view movement is a little janky, the actual game is really quite good to play. Sort of an entry level platformer. And one I love is called Hydro Adventure. This is a little complicated to explain, but in short, it's based around a book. And you go into the pages of the book and you have to go from page to page, keeping a stream of water going from one end to the other through tunnels, vacuum traps, ramps and jumps. Sounds very simple, but there is way more detail in it than I can explain quickly, as this is running quite long now, this episode. If you listen to the second episode of this month um, on Catching Up, I'll probably go into a bit more detail about Hydro Adventure on there. But if you have a modded Wii, I would recommend you check this one out at the very least. So that'll do it for this episode. Please feel free to reach out to me on the usual show address contacts. And of course, on Discord if you're a show Patreon. And you can always hit me up on Mastodon. My address on there is at sanction at oldbytes.space. <laughs> Hey!
we're back with another Eric's Take for the month of September. This month, I wanted to talk about uh, something that we talk about in every episode right in the beginning. We say that we are a retro or retro-inspired podcast. So what I thought would be fun this month is to look through my Steam library or, or even my Switch library and find games that I've enjoyed over the past several years that are retro-inspired. So take a little trip with me here, and we'll explore several games that have some component to them that is retro-inspired. And hopefully you might find a game or two that piques your interest and give them a try. So what I'm going to do is just talk about the game, what it's all about, and then maybe just a couple of my uh, memories of the game um, and why it stands out to me in my Steam library. And the first one is a game that I've talked about on the show before. It is called Dead Cells. Uh, I first got Dead Cells on my Nintendo Switch. Uh, My son bought it for me, actually, for uh, Christmas. And I started playing it and just... um, Completely fell in love with it, so much so that I repurchased it when I got my Steam Deck so I could play it there on the big screen. Dead Cells is a roguelike action platformer developed by Motion Twin and published by Evil Empire. The game was released for Microsoft Windows in August 2018 and has been ported to a ton of different platforms. Mac OS, Linux, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and even Stadia. Uh, In Dead Cells, players control a failed alchemist who has been resurrected as a sentient weapon. The player must traverse a series of procedurally generated dungeons, fighting enemies and collecting items in order to progress. The game features a unique death mechanic where the player's body is destroyed upon death, but their consciousness is transferred to a new body. This allows players to learn from their mistakes and improve their performance over time. Uh, Dead Cells has been praised for its fast-paced gameplay, challenging difficulty, and addictive roguelike loop. The game has also been nominated for several awards, including Best Indie Game at the Game Awards of 2018. So my memories of this game are pretty funny. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, it's It's not something I'm necessarily proud of, but my son told me he was buying this for me uh, on the Switch uh, for Christmas. So he did that a month before Christmas. And I remember him telling me that he wanted to see the game and I wanted to play it. So we took the cartridge out of the, uh, out of the package, closed the package and wrapped it for Christmas and put it under the tree so that when I, on Christmas morning, I would open it and I'd be like, Oh, great. Thank you. You know, thank you. And, and, uh, and, and then we would go on with our Christmas, but I got the cartridge out a month early. So we started playing this game a month early. Uh, my son uh, played it for a little bit, but uh, didn't really gel with it. Whereas I just absolutely loved it. Uh, this game is one of my favorite games on Switch. And I think I, if I remember right, so many years ago on the podcast, I voted it my game of the year because I loved it so much. The next game in my list is a recent one, and it is Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3 is a role-playing video game developed and published by Larian Studios. It is based on the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition tabletop role-playing game and is the sequel to Baldur's Gate 2. The game was released in early access for Microsoft Windows in September 2020 and has since been released in full here in 2023. 
in Baldur's Gate 3, players create a party of up to four characters and explore the Forgotten Realms, a fantasy world created by Dungeons & Dragons. The game features a turn-based combat system where players can use a variety of weapons and abilities to defeat their enemies. The game also features a rich dialogue system where players can interact with the game's characters and make choices that affect the story. Uh, Baldur's 3 Gate has been praised for its graphics, gameplay, and story. The game has also been nominated for several awards, including Game of the Year at the Game Awards 2021. So my memories of this game are ongoing because... I am currently not that far through the game, but I'm loving it. Uh, I recommended this to my neighbor who usually D- DMs our real life Dungeons and Dragons games. Uh, and he often laments that he has to always DM and can never actually play. Um, and so I told him about this game where uh, the computer could be the DM and basically run a D&D game. And so my neighbor is a lot further in this game than I am because he has a lot more time to spend in this game. Uh, But we're both loving the game. Uh, Some of the really cool things about this game is that it really does follow D&D. I mean, where you can even see the dice rolling. uh, The graphics are 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 amazing. Um, It 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 really immerses you in a and d world where all the rules are followed uh, you can you don't have to fight your way out of every scenario. You can talk your way out. You can um, use the environment to get out of a pickle. And I mean, the game is amazing. And we're going to play it. Uh, it features online play, too. So you can have up to four players play online together um, in the same party. And we're going to do that sometime. We just haven't found time yet, but we really want to. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, by the way, I played Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, and I've talked about that on the show. Uh, those were on PlayStation 2, and I love both of those. They were loosely based on D&D. They were more of a, what I want to call, um, like a more arcade-style game where you run around, slash, slash, and and dash around the world. And, you know, it, it was loosely based on D&D, whereas this one is pretty hardcore to the rules. So if you love D&D, you should check this game out. The next game that I want to talk about is one we've talked about on the show a few times. But I love this game, and I've recently, which I will talk about on the show, have uh, come back to this because there was a recent update. But the game is Broforce, and uh, there's a recent update called Broforce Forever, which is adds a couple new levels and uh, some new uh, characters to play, but I want to tell you a little bit more about the game here. Uh, Broforce is a side-scrolling run-and-gun platforming game uh, developed by Free Lives and published by Devolver Digital. They make some fantastic games. The game was released for Microsoft Windows in 2015, so quite a while ago, and has since been ported to Mac OS, Linux, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and Stadia. Uh, in Broforce, players control a team of bros, each based on a different action movie character. Players must use their bros' unique abilities to blast through enemy forces and rescue hostages. The game is known for its over-the-top action and humor. Um, some of the other uh, elements of this game are that uh, you rescue kind of like a... Um, what do you call them? Um, like uh, like uh, bros that have been taken hostage. They're like in these little cages. And when you rescue them, uh, that is like an extra life. So that gives you... But but the, the downside to that is it changes your character to them. So if you were kind of grooving with this guy like, uh, like Brode, which is a 
<laughs> like based on blade. Um, if you if you're you're digging that and you're using them and you pick this guy, yes, you get an extra life on that level. But now you get this other guy, which you may not be so familiar with their weapons. Like you might get someone who tosses grenades or or get someone who like a, like the Terminator has this giant Gatling gun that takes a while to start up when you fire it. So, I mean, there's a really unique game mechanism to Broforce that puts it head and shoulders above almost anything I've played in the last few years. It is um, it is my probably my favorite modern platformer but it is definitely retro inspired as it's very pixelated um you know there's a lot of elements like jumping and stuff the 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 jumping and movement feels very retro in the game um i love the game i mean if you haven't played broforce you really owe it to yourself to give it a shot it is uh one of my favorite games of all time i love it the next game in my list is a fistful of gun uh, a Fistful of Gun is a top-down shooter game developed by Farmer Gnome and published by Devolver Digital. I'm starting to notice a trend here. I, I have a lot of favorites that are made by Devolver Digital. The game was released for Microsoft Windows in September 2015. Uh, it's been ported to almost everything. Uh, oh, Mac OS, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and Stadia. The game features 11 playable characters with differing weapons, attributes, and control schemes. Players can choose to play solo or with up to three friends in online or local co-op. The game is set in a Wild West-themed world and features a variety of levels, enemies, and bosses. A Fistful of Gun has been praised for its retro art style, challenging gameplay in a variety of characters. Um, It it does tend to have repetitive levels and kind of lack of a storyline, but Fistful of Gun, I mean, I I love top-down shooters. This is kind of a twin-stick deal, and... And uh, every weapon has a different mechanic, which keeps the game interesting. Um, this is one that I really enjoy, uh, and it, and I've had it a long time now. I think I got it when it first came out, and it's been um, several years, so I'm enjoying that one quite a bit. The next game on my list is Nuclear Throne. Nuclear Throne is a post-apocalyptic roguelike top-down shooter developed by Van Bleer. Vlam Beer, I need to say that correctly, and published by Devolver Digital. Again, the game was released for Microsoft Windows in October 2015. Uh, it's been ported to almost everything, uh, Mac OS, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Um, in Nuclear Throne, players control a mutant attempting to survive in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. The game features a procedurally generated world, a variety of weapons and items, and a unique death mechanic where players can unlock permanent upgrades after each death. Nuclear Throne has been praised for its fast-paced gameplay, challenging difficulty, and addictive roguelike loop. Um, this game was been nominated for several awards, including Best Indie Game at the Game Awards of 2016. Um, this game, it, my, my particular memories of this game, I think, I think this is the first Steam game I ever bought. So it was way back. And this one is a dual stick uh, shooter, which, again, I love those games. But I remember when I first opened my Steam account and grabbed this game, I just thought it was a blast. Um, I later found out that it was built in some kind of um, uh, like gaming engine uh, that, you know, it's like a almost like a rapid development gaming engine. Um, but I don't. I couldn't find any more details on that when I kind of researched this, but 
it it really doesn't matter. This game is fantastic. I still play it to this day. I love it. I remember my son got kind of hooked on it. Uh, I had it installed on our family computer, um, it, which is in our game room, and my son would sit down and play it all the time and loved it. So, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about this game. The next game in my list is Streets of Rogue. I've talked a little bit about this on the show, too. Uh, one exciting thing about this game is Streets of Rogue 2, the sequel, is coming out in 2024, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I don't have that many hours in this game because um, it's one of those games that, you know, it's fun, but you need to spend some time in it to really progress. And I, with my schedule, especially for the podcast, I have so many games I need to play, it's hard to get back to it, but I do want to. This game's a blast. Um, Streets of Rogue is a roguelike top-down action game developed by Suspicious Developments and published by Tiny Build. The game was released for Microsoft Windows in April 2017 and has since been ported to Mac OS, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. In Streets of Rogue, players control a variety of characters, each with their own unique abilities in a procedurally generated city. The goal of the game is to complete a variety of objectives, such as stealing the mayor's car or assassinating the mafia boss. Streets of Rogue has been praised for its freedom of choice, its variety of characters and objectives, and its humorous writing. The game has also been nominated for several awards, including Best Indie Game at the Game Awards in 2017. Um, My memories of this game, um, I wish there were more, but uh, I've never seen a game that anything can go anything can go in this game like you can get this drug that makes you a giant gorilla and can break through the world and stomp on people um you can find like a chemical and pour it into the air conditioning system of a building that will have some random effect on all the inhabitants it might kill them it might put them to sleep um you have these loose goals in the game but you don't have to do that you can literally do anything you want in the game Um, which I know for someone like Cody, that sounds horrible, but there are objectives. So there are things you can do in the game to progress, but really you can just go around doing anything you want. So I've never seen a game quite this, uh, sandboxy, if you will, if I could make a new term there, but you really should try this game and I'm really looking forward to the sequel. I think it's going to be a blast. The next game in my list is Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. Sid Meier's Ace Patrol is a combat flight simulation game developed by Fire Access Games and published by 2K Games. The game was released for iOS and Windows in May of 2013. Sid Meier's Ace Patrol um, players control a fighter pilot in either World War I or World War II. The game features a variety of missions, including dogfights, bombing runs, and escort missions. Players can also customize their planes with different weapons and upgrades. Uh, Ace Patrol has been praised for its simple but effective gameplay, its historical accuracy, and its challenging difficulty. The game has also been nominated for several awards, including Best Mobile Game at 2013 uh, Independent Games Festival. Uh, my memories of this game, again, this is a game I've had forever. I think, I honestly think my, my, I, I this predates me getting this on Steam, even though I have it now on Steam. But I remember buying this outside of Steam in 2013 and loving this game. It reminds me so much of like a board game or kind of like an RPG game that you sit down and play with friends. In fact, I had a tabletop 
game that was called Dawn Patrol, which is a lot like this game. Basically, you you have a hex grid that is um, where you are flying with your plane, and you basically can, um, when you get upgrades on your plane, you get these new maneuvers. Your plane, it's a turn-based game, so your plane does these maneuvers, and you have these objectives like shoot down this blimp or bomb this uh, facility, military facility, and you go across and you keep upgrading your pilot, keep upgrading your pilot, and your pilot might get captured or might uh, get killed in combat, and then you have to up, you have to keep working on your whole squad. Um, I, I I find myself every two to three years going back to this game and playing it through, and I've I've beat this game a couple of times. I love the gameplay in this game, and if you love board games and and strategy games, you will like this game. Check it out. And there's a sequel, Ace Patrol 2, which I honestly haven't even tried yet because I just love the first one so much, but I really should give the second one a try. Um, so I'll probably buy that one of these days. The last game I'm going to talk about is a game I've talked about on the show. Uh, I don't, man, I, I, it was a pretty popular for a little while and then all the hype died down about it, but I think it needs, uh, more love to be honest. Uh, I had a blast with this game. Um, the game is Brotato. It's it, the Brotato is a top down arena shooter, roguelite developed by Blobfish and published by Arabit Seven Studios. I, I hope I, I hope I'm getting that right. The game was released for Microsoft Windows, Android, and Switch in September 2022. In Brotato, players control a potato who can wield up to six weapons at a time to fight off hordes of aliens. The game features a procedurally generated world, a variety of traits and items, and a unique death mechanic where players are resurrected as a new potato with their progress from the previous run carrying over. Brotato has been praised for its unique gameplay, its challenging difficulty, and its charming art style. The game has also been nominated for several awards, including Best Indie Game at the 2023 Indie Prize Awards. So this definitely is one of the more recent games that I'm talking about. Um, I, I It's hard for me to even describe this game. You're a potato and you have six guns. And basically, there are all these combos that you can do that you organically figure out in the game. Um that will make you more and more powerful and can clear out levels. And you really are, for me, the game, the main game loop was trying to see how many levels I could get through. I didn't care about anything else. I wanted to just see how many levels I could go through until I died. Um, this game, um, it's definitely kind of retro inspired as it's very, um, it's got that, those pixel graphics. Um, it, it, it has great sound, great gameplay loop. Um, it sounds crazy, but if you just give it a try, I think you'll really like it. Um, it's a very rewarding game to play and I played it nonstop for at least a week or two. And then, um, I had to move on, but I really, I I do find myself coming back to this every once in a while just to play through a couple of loops of it. So anyway, those are several uh, retro inspired games that I really enjoyed on steam and on switch. And, uh, I hope a couple of them piqued your interest and you give them a shot. Anyway, I will see you next month. Thank you for listening. Eric. We'd like to welcome you back to Pixel Guide in Live. Um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I want to apologize to all our listeners who had to listen to me uh, self-flatulate on some opera. 
<laughs> that I was the it. cringe. In my mind, I'm like, I, I don't have a lot of time. I need to get this thing made. It'll be easy if I just like throw together some ridiculous opera thing. And uh, yeah, I did it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. Sitting out here in my in my house, I was still like afraid that with my headphones on, I was like screaming at the top of my lungs, and like my wife or kids were going to watch it, and I was going to turn around to see their like looks of disapproval, like what on <laughs> earth? Like you, you, Cody, you think people want to download this and listen to it? This is what you're doing with your life. So I apologize, Eric. It's time for beer. Yay! So I went ahead when I was down in, in your neck of the woods to pick up some of the stuff that Tim gave us uh, last month yes. and said, you know what? Let's just get some beer. We need to do beers together at the same time on the show again. You've been, you and I have been both saying that. And you had a couple of beers picked out as well. So I just went and bought a, a bunch of doubles. And so we should be good for like three, four months on beers so we both can drink the same beer. That's awesome. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I appreciate the beers you provided. So this first one is... Uh, part of the reason for this season, because Oktoberfest is mostly in September. Yes. True, true Oktoberfest, and kind of ends the first couple of days in October. Uh, and we want to make sure we review a, an Oktoberfest beer so our listeners can choose. Maybe it's an option for them this year during their Oktoberfest. So, this first beer is uh, once again from Ale Smith in San Diego. We've had a few of their beers lately. We have. I, I, quite, have, I quite liked them. And it is their, uh, they call it Ale Schmidt Oktoberfest, German-style Martzen beer. 5.5% alcohol by volume. It is in a blue Bavarian-looking can, like, like the blue Bavarian flag. And um, it says to serve this between 45 and 50 degrees. So that's right where mine is, Eric. I'm at 47 and a half. Wow. So precise. It says to, the glassware is to put in a stein. Mine's oh. close, but mine's one of those like uh, yeah, yeah. German kind of... I always call them hand grenade mugs. They look like hand grenades, kind of. It's Steinish. Yeah, it's like it half, Steinish. half Stein. Heroes in a half Stein. <laughs> Turtle power. <laughs> so, Eric, let's take a sip of this bad boy. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Mmm, malty. That's, mm-hmm. mm, that is really good. That's become one of my favorite beer characteristics. As of late, is maltiness. Maltiness? Maltiness, yes. Okay, okay. Call me uh, Carl Malton. That's a throwback. <laughs> so what are you getting out of this beer, Eric? What are you tasting here? The maltiness is good and delicious. There's a sweetness to it, though. There's a sweetness to this beer um, that that I've tasted before in other Martins, and I do enjoy it. Um, Almost like a little slight bit of a honey flavor to it. Must be something in the hops. Um, very, very good. I mean, I, I I like the flavor of this one a lot. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Solid, a solid Martzen. What about you? I agree with that. It is solid. It does have like a, a bitter note to it that kind of offsets that sweetness. It is not. It's kind of a flat beer, but not in a bad way. Yeah, it's definitely not over-carbonated. It's solid. I, I, I think this is refreshing AF, as the kids say. It is say. refreshing, actually, especially at 47.5 degrees. So. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. All right. Well, um, 
I guess all we can do now is rate it. I was trying to think of a rating system. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm trying to, I'm, I'm Googling how many Prussian provinces there were, which <laughs> okay. is what the Prussia became Bavaria and all the, anyways, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong if I start talking about it. Uh, what are, let's see, how many Prussian states were there? See, there's no answer because they changed so many times. So Eric, yeah. I'm just going to say that there were 32 <laughs> Prussian states. Wow. <laughs> just throwing that guess out there. All <laughs> just, right. Just throwing it in the ether. So out of, out of 32 Prussian states, uh, Eric, how many are you going to give this one? I'm going to give this a solid 26. Oh, you nailed it on the head. Me too, actually. 26 really? Prussian states for this Ale Smith Oktoberfest. Once again, Eric, cheers. Cheers. Mm, that is a tasty Prussian state. We um, are in agreement. We are in agreement. It's time for the news. <laughs> Eric, you be Tim. I will be Tim. Tim says the ZX Spectrum Next Issue 2 update. According to the latest Kickstarter update, the cases that have been the last piece in the puzzle for final assembly have been signed off and production is about to start at the end of September. This means that from that this means from that point, it could be between six to eight weeks, and then they start to ship. So it's looking like we may f- finally have these in our hands by November. It's only been about two years, which it's true. You already have yours, Cody. Well, if you, I mean, since you asked, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> you and I were, enjoy it thoroughly. You were smart enough to be in the first wave there, but uh, me and Tim were in the second wave, and we've been waiting a long, long time. Two years. You were gun shy, and for good reason. So, we, yep, we were gun shy. We paid the price, but it looks like our national nightmare may be over soon. So, well, don't get too excited because delays are just part of life right now. But, yep, I'm excited for you guys to get that. I never, Cody. You want to know something? I never get my hopes up anymore on anything. <laughs> you know that's I, sad. It's I a really sad don't. way to live. I really don't. <laughs> Eric's so. like, I look up hope in the dictionary. <laughs> and it just says that thing Eric used to feel. Exactly. Um, speaking of hope, Eric. Yeah. There is hope yet. If you are hoping to enjoy a great two-day computer expo, mm-hmm. uh, our show sponsor, Frank from RetroRewind.ca, the one and only, uh, is holding the second, I believe. Is it the second or the third? Um, I guess I should know that. World of Retro Computing Expo. It's a two-day vintage retro computing conference in Kitchener, Kitchener, yes, Ontario, Canada. Um, it's going to include hands-on vintage and retro computer and gaming displays, special guest speakers, vendors buying and selling, workshops, uh, land parties, that's cool, challenges and raffles. Um, pretty darn cool. They even have uh, sponsorship opportunities available. Anyways, you can go ahead and check out that link in our show notes. But uh, it looks like they've got a full Saturday and Sunday here filled with... Um, I'm just looking at some of the names here. Uh, Robin Ben are going to be hosting the land parties. Keith DeMolin, owner of Amiga On, I, I'm, I will say that wrong, uh, is a, a sponsor already and is going to be bringing along a curated selection of Amiga software, Amiga 500s, Amiga 2000s, Zorro cards, and much more. There's... 
too much to read here. It's literally pages and pages of things that are going on. So take a look at that. Super excited to not be able to go, but I wish I could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, w- when is this? Uh, you're right. I should mention the date of the actual event. Um, and- I don't see it, <laughs> which is kind of silly. They should really put that up. There. Well, Eric, oh, wait, countdown to the it's ca- it starts in two, in two days. days, twelve hours and forty six minutes. So by the time y'all hear this, get down there like now, now. Um, yeah, I mean. Y- the minute you hear this, just transport yourself over <laughs> to Canada, like Star Trek, like transport over there, and you should be right in the middle of it. That's funny. He doesn't put it on the website here. Did I not put it in my show notes? That's that's, that's <laughs> bad form, Cody. Bad form. Uh, but yeah, it starts apparently on the 15th of September. Septandy, should I say? Yeah, we've been saying this for five years, but we got to get our butts to one of these. We have many things expos. to get our butts to, but... Anyway, super yeah. cool. Uh, hope to hear about it. Report back, everybody. Let us know how it was. Um, moving along in the news, Tim. Oh yeah. So let me let me read some Tim stuff here. One to watch for. Wait, one to watch out for coming up. Tokyo Game Show 2023. During this, even in late September. Hmm. <laughs> I gotta get Tim, Tim to edit Tim, these. I'm Ron Burgundy. He's gonna read whatever you put on the prompter. <laughs> exactly. During this event, I'm gonna say event. Yeah. Look, I'm pretty good at guessing what it could be. During this event in late September will be the selected indie eighty. This will be eighty indie games indie games publishers that will be able to show off their games for free at the show and then enter a completion a competition. Yeah. Once <laughs> again, on, you, you read it correctly, Eric. You're doing great. All right. Come on, Tim. Enter a competition, Sense of Wonder Night 2023, the winner of this event. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> the top eight indie games in this competition will be well worth looking up. And there's there'll be a website in our show notes, um, but it looks like it's uh, Tokyo Game Show 2023. That would be interesting to go to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I would love to, to go to Japan one way or another, but well, th- for that sure. would be extra fun. Looks like September 21st through 24th is when it's going to happen here. So free exhibition. Um, cool. Excited to hear what comes of that. Yeah. Um, I'll be Tim Speaking next time. Exciting. So you, so you be you be Eric. I'll be. I'll, let me try to be Eric. I'll use his accent. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm Eric. Let's talk about the N64. Um. Eric says the N64 <laughs> core is coming soon to the mister. And I've been very excited about this. Um, I don't know why, because the N64 yeah, is one of my least favorite consoles, but I am excited for it. I do like, there are some select games I really do like on the N64. Um, but there's, there is, and it's probably in that ad somewhere and you don't need to look it up, but there is every single week, Cody, Mm-hmm, this guy mm-hmm. comes out with updates for the N64 core on the Mister, and he just goes leaps and bounds every week, adding new features, fixing texture problems, adding sound and music. Basically, the way you program a Mister is you, you, you basically are building the chips inside of the machine, and every chip you add, you integrate into uh, the N64 or the, the core, and it's just literally starts to work. And this, this guy is the, the, it's just such rapid progression. And they were saying that 
this might not even be possible on the mystery. It might not have enough jack to run the N64 core, mm, but jack. this guy's proving that it is is possible. And he already has several games running on it, like Mario Kart. Um, there's like that Mario World 3D. Um, a lot of the games are starting to take form and actually working. And so I would imagine within just a couple of months you're going to have a working N64 core that's going to be broadly compatible. So I'm really looking forward to that. And they're still working on the Sega Saturn one, too. Supposedly, that one's very close to being done as well. So Sega Saturn and N64 games on the Mister. That'll be great. Very cool. Yeah. Still going to have to give me one. Unfortunately, they're not available anywhere. That being said, I want to be Tim. Uh, Eric, do you know that the game we've all been waiting for is finally making a release that's right the snail maze a hidden game on the original <laughs> master system has been extracted from the master system hardware and ported out onto a cartridge by i'm mike from the leaded solder weblog check out his weblog showing just how he managed this eric good for them very cool i don't care how he managed it uh but yeah. i do know the snail maze i've talked about it um yeah since I was the, the one weird kid I knew who had a master system when I was a child had yeah. the snail maze, and he always said he had. He's like, "No, I have two games," and we're like, "No, you have one cartridge." What are you talking about? He's like, "No, check this out," and he turned on the system without a game in it, and this came up. And we're like, "Okay, <laughs> cool," uh, but yeah, you're a snail and you go through a maze, and I guess, I guess you know, I guess honestly, it's pretty cool in the sense that. Um, if you want to have cartridges and you have a, a system that has, like I do, Afterburner in it, or uh, or uh, not Afterburner, Missile Command 3D or whatever it's called, or Sonic yeah. in it, you don't have access to Snail Maze. Now you do. Right. I mean, you know, you could always file this in the category of why would they do this. Because. Just and, because. And that's we, why. And we often get, you know... <laughs> we We often get chastised for saying stuff like that, but the truth is more power to them. That's really cool. If you want to have that cartridge on your shelf and say, hey, I got Snail Maze. And it's a, it's a nice little game. And you could have it as a separate cartridge. I think it's cool that people cool. do that and, and break it out and burn it to a ROM and stuff. It's, it's, I think someone looks at this and goes, can I do it? Yeah. And then they do it. And then, yes, I can do it. Yeah, and that's challenge. really, that's the challenge. I don't think it's for, I don't think anyone's going to, this is going to sell, you know, 10, thousand units i think that the guy wanted to do it and did it and that's cool anyways it's available for 199.99 no i'm kidding <laughs> i was gonna say whoa whoa or as eric likes to say woof oh anyways if you want to check that out there's a link in our show notes um i want to give a quick shout out to yeah. uh retro gamer nation uh, took a little hiatus there and didn't make um, one of his roundups. I love Retro Gamer Nation roundups. Uh, went ahead and started doing them up again in August. So I was watching the roundup for August 2023. And there's a few games, Eric, that... You know I typically don't talk about games that are not out yet. That mm-hmm. games are, like, coming up. But there's three games that he talks about here in the roundup for um, the Commodore 64, a game called Infestation, a game called Yeti Mountain, and a game called Funfair Inc. that I really wanted to talk about briefly. So, Mont Boyd, or Monty Boyd, who makes a number of great games that we've talked about here on the show and have purchased we and have. owned, has a game yeah. coming out called Infestation, which is a really cool-looking uh, run-and-gun. Uh, 
I'm just watching a video over here. It's like this space shooter. It's almost kind of like Mega Man Turrican kind of, uh, but but you're a smaller character, which I actually like. So you kind of the world feels bigger. Uh, yeah. Shooting things, you're collecting things. This looks like a solid solid game, uh, which is funny. Cause I like, love it, the style of this. This looks amazing. Yeah. Um, it's so unique. Uh, I. Yeah, this would be this is going to be probably a day one purchase for me. This looks fantastic, and it looks like it's either almost done or well, I don't know. Find out more by watching the Retro Gamer Nation video. This one right here, this is Yeti Mountain, and it's super cool. Another Commodore sixty four game, and it's a game about skiing down mountains, but there's Yetis in the mountain, and it ends up like there's skiing portions that feel like the ski free game you used to play on your PC, but you can also do grinds and stuff. But then there's other people on the mountain, but there's portions where you have to go underground in caves. And now it's like a platformer where you're trying to do something. And then it's got a bunch of different play types built into it. So it's kind of like action RPG meets platformer meets ski simulator. It looks super fun. <laughs> it does look really fun. At this point, there's an avalanche coming down the mountain. You're trying to outrun it. I mean, that looks legit. And then the last one I am bummed to say is called Funfair. I had not heard of this. It, it is quite straightforward. A um, a uh, theme park clone for really? the Commodore 64. And you can tell it's gotten, it got pretty far. But the uh, I did watch this, and the creator basically made it open source at this point because he got to a point where he, he realized he wasn't going to be able to finish the game he wants to because the uh, I guess some of the programming and the... I don't know what you call it, but the, the, uh, I don't know what you call it. The rules and stuff you have to create within the system to make the game work weren't just, weren't going to be possible on the Commodore 64 hardware, I guess. Um, oh man. But anyways, love theme park. And this looks pretty flipping close for, you know, for the Commodore 64. It doesn't even look muddy. Even the colors look vibrant somehow. They great color pattern. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. Uh, well, I mean, somebody might take it over, and there are some wizards out there that can do some pretty amazing stuff with the Commodore 64. So, yeah, and I, and I believe he actually put uh, uh, Retro Gamer Nation even says on there that he is offering to give the source, the source code to anybody who feels like they want to try to complete the project. That's so, awesome. Very cool. Cool. All right, you ready for this one? I'm ready, Eric. Castle of Shikigami 2. Castle of Shikigami 2 getting Dreamcast-inspired physical editions for Switch. Good game. You've played this before, right? Uh, I've played... Not only have I played Castle of Shikigami 2, I've also played Mobile Light Force. Do you remember that? It's also the same game. (laughs) Yep. I I love this game. I think it's... I, I... this is one of my favorite shmups I go back to all the time. It is tough as nails, bullet hell. What have you played um, it on? I'm curious. I played it on, what was it? Um, PlayStation 2? That's what I played yeah. it on. Yeah, PlayStation 2. And then I think um, Dreamcast. I played on something else too. Was there an arcade version of that? Mobile Light Force had a version of it, and I think it was Dreamcast. Okay. I thought I played on something other than PS2 as well. I played on PS2. Uh, but anyway... Uh, Castle of Shikigami 2 physical editions for Switch next year. So there's going to be physical boxes of that, which um, I think I will go ahead and pick up because I do dig this game quite a bit. For sure. Uh, looks like it's going to be priced at 39.99 euros. So that's only like what? Like 
$2.50 or something like that? 50 bucks, Eric. 50 bucks? Yep. Uh, it contains a copy of the game, it looks like. It's got some extras in there. Oh, this is a deluxe edition. Oh, there's <clears> another. That's even more deluxe. money. It's got other little things that... Wait, now that one says it's the price of the same amount, so there's something wrong here. But there's also a version yeah. here that makes it look like a Super Nintendo game, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it comes with like a CD and oh, figures wow, and does. stuff. Yeah, but great game, great shmup. Uh, it, it's, I don't think it's the one that necessarily created it, but to me it's the first game I ever played with bullet scrubbing, where your score goes up the closer you are to enemy bullets as you play the game. Oh, I didn't. Um, even, I don't even remember that. I have to admit, it's been a while since I've played this, but um, I do remember being. Um, you know, I kind of have a vague memory of playing this on the Xbox 360. I wonder if there was a version ported over to that. Possibly. Yeah, it's all, I might be wrong on that. You know, anyway. it's all. It's, it's definitely one of those Japanese shmups where you know there's English subtitles and the whole thing's all. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I, <laughs> shmups are the best when Japanese uh, voiceovers are happening. And then each, the bullets that the enemy shoots at, you're, you literally try to get as close to them as possible with your character. And your character is like a person yeah. flying magically through space or whatever. And, uh, you know, you're shooting or whatever. But you can also, you also have a, a sword attack, which can help you get rid of enemy bullets and stuff. So lots kind of going on in this game. Good one. Yeah. So I, 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 this is what I thought. So I'm, I looked this up real quick. Um, arcade version. I think uh, that's where I played it a lot. Was on. It was like an arcade, like a MAME version, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, Dreamcast, GameCube, PlayStation Two, Xbox, Windows, Nintendo Switch. So I mean, Lots it's of on all sorts of stuff. I think I remember playing this on Dreamcast and arcade. Okay. But anyway. It's on Steam, too, so you can literally jump on Steam and get I just looked that up, so fantastic. For all I know, it's on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network, but Eric, if it were yeah. on those those devices, those services, that's what I'm trying to say, yeah. uh, did you know that Xbox Live just raised its price up to $16.99 a month, oh. and not to be outdone, PlayStation Network updated all of its packages, the $60 plan, which was the smallest per year, is now 80 the extra plan went from 100 to 135, and the premium plan went from 120 to 160. Wow! Wait a minute. Is I, I I've never been part of the PSN. Mm-hmm. Is the PSN is that per year? Per year, yes. Okay. <laughs> I was about ready to blow my mind up. Yeah, but I'll be honest. I I subscribe to. I just I didn't even thought about this before. I subscribe to Xbox and PlayStation Network and Nintendo. At this point. Yeah. I never use yeah. all those. I don't know why I'm doing all that. But uh, that price is too much for me for Xbox, even though it only went up a couple bucks. Like, mentally, yeah. I'm just, I'm I'm probably done with Xbox. PlayStation Network is um, only 80 a year. If you break that down, that's not bad. And then Nintendo's not bad, but. But you don't have I a don't PS5 know. yet, right? No, but I have a PlayStation 4, which plays, like, all the same games. So, yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. what does it matter? The funny thing is I pay for Xbox Live right now, but I don't use it. I can't use it because um, I subsidize my son's one. Like, I never stopped paying for my son's yeah. version of it. So he's off to college still using it, and so I'm still paying for it. I, I see the money come out of my mm. account every month. Mm. You're I'm a, just like, I hope he's playing it. You're a not sucker, Eric. You're a sucker. Exactly. Um, so, Eric, if you want to talk... You and I both put this on here in different spots. I don't know who put it on here first, but... 
Um, well, then we'll just remove the, the the second one here. I'm okay with that. I already that. took one out, but I'm just saying I'm good, the one to talk about it. But Eric, did you know that a tick attack, <laughs> attic attack? <laughs> this is according to Indie Retro News. is a classic ultimate play the game title, and it is now arriving on the ZX Spectrum next. What does that mean, Eric? It means I don't have it, so I can't play it yet. <laughs> well, I guess I'll talk about it because I have one. I totally exactly. have one. Yeah, they. I'm just looking at the video here. I haven't picked this up yet. I just because I haven't found the time to to pick it up. But they redid all the graphics of Attic Attack. It looks really like 16 bit, like super nice, full color, kind of uh, completely different vibe and feel. Except I really appreciate that they didn't change the Spectrum sounds. It still goes. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. good. Like, there's good, um, a full soundtrack behind it, but the sound effects themselves, to me, are what make that game. Yeah, it, I mean, the the, girl, the little sprites, he's he's kind of he's kind of chunky. Chunky, but funky. It's chunky, but funky. Um, the graphics look amazing. I mean, the, I'm really looking forward to my next. Um, and I, I'll pick this up. This looks like great. I, I actually really like playing this on the real ZX Spectrum. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a fun game, but it does involve some memorization and where you're going. But this one seems to have a lot of little extras and like th- it's showing that th- like some of the rooms get dark. Yep. It's not um, like a flashlight or yep. lantern or something. So I-, I think it looks really cool. Yeah. I'll have to pick that up. It'll be fun. All right. Next on the list, Eric. Speaking of ZX Spectrum, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I think this came out on the 64 too, but Manic Miner, the classic game on the ZX Spectrum as well as other platforms, is coming to the play date. Interesting. I am seriously getting yeah. FOMO about yeah. the play date. Same. Um, the fear of missing <laughs> out because I keep hearing everyone raving about it. There's a guy on Mastodon that, uh, that I'll be on sometimes and he'll start talking about his play date and I'm just like, I, I I love the um the the paradigm of the playdate like where they release the packages of yeah. of games and they delay them purposefully no matter when you buy the playdate every game gets released a certain amount of days later or weeks later or whatever I don't know the exact intervals but to me that sounds so intriguing because if you just gave me all the games on the playdate I wouldn't play half of them. Yeah, but if you spoon feed them to me every couple of weeks, I'll play it and see if I like it, and then wait for the next one. Right? Yeah, I love that about the play date. Um, I don't love that I can't just go buy one. That uh, there's always a constant shortage of it, and I don't like that they raised jack the price up pretty high on it. So it costs a lot of money now. So I think it, what, still it, it on went from one seventy nine to one ninety nine. I think. Yep. Um, and for people that don't know what the playdate is, it's a little handheld monochrome um, gaming system. So that sounds kind of crappy, right? But it's got a little gimmick where um, it's got the little crank. Kinda, cr- hand crank. But the screen, even though it's monochrome, it's very high resolution. The sound's pretty good on it. So, I mean, it's a neat little device. So, I, I don't know. I I, I do... Man, I just wish it was in that sweet spot of about 150 bucks and 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 available. If it was on the website right now for 150 bucks, I'd buy it. Yep. So. But you can check out more information about that news article on our link to Ramoke Ramoke. Okay. 
Yeah. That friend of the show. Friend of the show and patron. Uh, Absolutely. I just, I just operatically sang his name. Yay. But Eric, maybe I don't have an, uh, a play date and all I have is a plus four. Then what? Yeah. So if you, if you're the unfortunate person that has a plus four, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Commodore, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the the Commodore Plus Four was a um, uh, you know a very successful not, system. Yeah, not very successful, um, but has its fans. And I will say that in the news lately, there have been more and more games and and stuff coming out for the Plus Four and the Commodore Sixteen. They're kind of the same kind of machine. Um, People are giving it some love, and I keep hearing about every couple of months. I keep hearing about a new game that's coming out for it. But now there is an unofficial plus four Lemmings port, uh, and Ram Ram OK Ram OK fills us in. There's a link in the show notes to this, but it is a full on version of Lemmings that that is available now, not next month, not two years from now, not in beta. It's available now Could for the plus know. four. Yeah, looks solid. Yep. And, and it looks it looks really good. I mean, this yeah. is a plus four. Yep, for sure. It looks, yeah. So anyway, if you love Lemmings, which is a classic game, jump on it. Speaking of systems that you should support, jump, jump on? on. Oh, uh, yeah. I just saw this, and I'll be honest. I just threw this in here because I saw it, and I was excited. I'm surprised I haven't heard about this yet. Uh, so I'm kind of learn with you. But uh, this is according to TimeExtension.com. There's a new controller called the Vectrix Plus, which is obviously for your Vectrix, assuming you have one. Um, and it offers a cheaper alternative to the original. So I'm looking at a picture of this here. It's very similar looking to the Vectrix, but clearly n- new and different. Uh, it's got the kind of skinny stick analog joystick that returns to the center on the left. And then four buttons, one, two, three, four, just kind of big buttons in a line. And it says Vectrix on it, Vectrix Plus on it. Um, but Eric, you and I both both have ourselves a Vectrix. And the most expensive thing about a Vectrix is the controllers, especially if you get like a new one, box one. It's like 250 bucks at this point. Even getting a beat up, ugly one is 120, 150 bucks. Um, yeah, if you can find them. If you can find it. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm talking eBay, right? So who knows what yeah. you're going to get in that case. In this case, you're getting a... Very similar looking, but clearly different and modern version of it for 95 euros. Um, and it just says uh, it's hard, you know, it's hard to get ones that are good working order. A lot of times the, the sticks are wobbly and they are not as responsive anymore. Um, so, yeah, it gives you full analog control just like the original. And uh, you can, I guess you can change the color of the overlay and buttons after the purchase. And there's some other fun things here. So check that out if you want to get a Vectrix controller. Um, I only have one. I've always thought about getting a second one for two-player stuff, but never have. Luckily, my controller yep. is in great shape. I think I'm blessed to have one. I think mine works pretty well. Um, one thing I would, I'm curious about is if it snaps into the console, or is it just a good player two one? You know what I mean? That Because you know how it has yeah. a little groove? Try to see if I can it, zoom in. Yeah, it slides into the Vectrex and then pushes up and it like will snap in so it hides in the bottom yeah, it of the folds console. up in there. I mean, it looks like it has the dimensions all nailed. So Yeah. Maybe, but it doesn't have the curly cord like phone cord uh cable which kind of helps you snap it in. Yes. I don't know. 
I don't. But it, no. it looks solid. I mean, it looks like it would work, and and it, it's 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 really needed for the Vectrex. We need a cheaper alternative because they're crazy expensive. Ninety five euros is still not cheap. <laughs> no, I mean it's cheaper. Yes, I don't know at that price. I might try to find an original still. If that was like yep. eighty bucks, which would be like what sixty five euros. Yeah, I think I'd be in. But um, yeah, okay. Um, speaking of old 8-bit, early 80s consoles. Late 70s, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it doesn't relate to my previous thing, but yes, yes, I guess it came out in the <laughs> right, early right, 70s. Right, right, Um, this I found very interesting. Um, Atari 2600 plus pre-order is going on. So Atari, man, they got into some weird stuff like hotels and NFTs and, and they big, lost their like, way very big for like the last six, seven years. And I feel like somebody took the reins over there or, or just like went over there and slapped somebody. And suddenly they're starting to actually make stuff that people might actually want. I have another thing coming up mm-hmm. in, in this news that talks about another product from them that is curious, but here's this. And you can tell me if this somewhat interests you at all, Cody, but I think it will interest somebody. Okay. I don't know if it's us, but it's going to interest somebody. This is called the Atari 2600 plus. It is a full size game console. So it's not quite, I think as large as the original 2600. It does look it smaller. Looks like the, it looks smaller and it has wood, like the simulated wood grain on the front. It's, if, it's not. If you didn't see the size difference or if someone didn't yeah. tell you, you would think it, it is a standard four switch 2600. Yep. It's got four switches. So it's not the heavy sixer or the six switch one. It's a four switch. Um, it's got a 2600 style controller with it that looks like a one button. Uh, what is that one? Like this, they call the CX 40 or something. It's got a standard, yep. standard Atari Atari. one yep. button joystick. Um, and it's wired. So it's good. It's just delicious old school looking and it plays original cartridges. You put the cartridge in and it boots up to the original game. So it comes with a cartridge that I think has a, a certain number of games on ten, it. Ten games six. built in, yeah. There it is, ten games. Ten in one, um, classic Atari games. But you can use any of your regular Atari 2600 cartridges. And this thing's going to go for $129.99. And, oh, by the way, full HDMI out. So it's easy. It hooks to modern TVs. Um, there's a, there's uh, a few uh, other things you got to point out here. So yeah, ahead, the please, H- please. HDMI of course would make it current. Yes. The controller is completely redone to be nicer. Uh, yes. the Atari 10 and one game cartridge. I, this is an interesting choice cause it looks like an original cartridge, but on the bottom there are four dip switches. So you select the game with dip switches. I was surprised mm-hmm. by that. Um, I am too, that it couldn't just be a menu, but then again, if it's, genuine and it plays original Atari cartridges, it may not have the memory to do that. But know what it has memory to do, Eric? What? It has the memory to play all your 7800 games as well. Correct. And that is 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 interesting because 7800 is legendarily difficult to display on a modern TV. Mm, mm, not to mention so now it's you, legendarily difficult to play the games with the controllers that a 7800 has. <laughs> exactly (laughs) exactly so but that brings up an interesting problem with it that i didn't think of before until you just mentioned it so the atari 7800 has two buttons 
Yeah. So, um, you know, two buttons on the sides in the weird eagle claw grip that you have to do on that stupid controller. So, yeah. So what are they going to, what are you going to do? Is there two buttons on that controller somehow? So, you know, it's it's funny. It says right here, I looked up the hardware and it said compatible with most 2600 and 7800 cartridges view compatibility list. Uh, My guess is the ones that aren't compatible are the ones that require the 7800 to have two separate functions on those buttons because most of them the button does the same thing on either button but some games are not that way but with that said is a wide range of compatibility i mean most of this is in the pass actually green yeah look at this this list is eight pages long with i don't know 100 and 100 games on each page and every single game that's ever been made i guess is listed with a pass an untested or a fail um, so if you really want to play real sports boxing, that's a fail, my friend. I'm not sure why. That's fail. Uh, most of these are, they say untested or pass. Most of them do pass. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of fails. No, there's um, a lot of passes. There's one fail. What is that? Super, Super Cobra. Cobra. That's actually fairly popular. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a pretty good game. Um, there's another fail. What was that one? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, everyone's oh, favorite well, Atari 2600 game. I'm out. <laughs> and actually, look, no, every kidding. 7800 game uh, is either passed or unf- untested. I'm, so. I'm wondering, I, I need a closer view of that joystick. I wonder if they snuck a second button on there somewhere. Well, I know you can buy the joystick by itself now, too. Oh, really? Yep. They sell brand new CX40 plus joysticks. In fact... Riveting radio. I'm just going to go right on Amazon.com right now and see if I can. In fact, look at there you go. Look where you left off. Joystick. Oh wow! There it is. So here's uh. So if you want to buy it separately, it's twenty four ninety nine for a brand new CX forty plus joystick. And yeah. the question is, what makes it plus? It does say compatible with Atari twenty six hundred plus or twenty six hundred and seventy eight hundred video game systems. Includes the joystick. That's all it says. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't see anything that says anything about the joystick. So yeah, uh, I, I'm wondering if there's a if they snuck a button on there somewhere. Um, who knows? Who knows? But let's keep moving on because that was pretty cool. In fact, Eric, I will tell you right now, our our third host was excited about this. Yeah. Um, so as soon as they went on pre order on Amazon, because Amazon doesn't take your money until they ship it. I just, yeah. I just went ahead and pre ordered one. So cool i've got i've got my name in the queue yep whether tim wants that it or else, awesome. hey or by the way I, I read in here can i use the atari uh paddle controls with the original atari 2600 or 7800 and you can okay so you can use the that cx 40 plus joystick or the paddle i guess there's going to be a paddle that they're going to sell too you can use them on original things so i wonder <clears> i do wonder what's I, I, I think they have to find a way to make that work at 7800, so I don't know. It's interesting. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Well, Eric, we have a lot of Atari news, so let's keep going here real quick. I want to let you know that Atari is also releasing new 2600 games, and Eric, yes, you th- we were just talking about how they were doing some crazy stuff, and then they said, hey, let's go ahead and re-release some of our games we've already made, but we'll release yes. them new in box for like 200 bucks a piece, and we're like, well, yeah. at least they are heading the right direction, but we're not going to pay that. It's crazy. Of course, yeah. people did buy them because they were limited releases, blah, blah, blah. However, according to Time Extension, Atari is reissuing Outlaw for its legendary 2600 console. So this is a game that I personally never even heard about, but 
It looks like a standard Atari 2600 box with a game and everything. Uh, it's a game that was a 1978 port of an arcade game called Outlaw. Um, really cool graphic art and everything. And it even comes with a, I mean, it looks like a brand new Atari game. And it, yeah, it's a very, in, here, in fact, here's the game, right? Two cowboys shooting back and forth at each other. Um, very reasonable. Fifty nine ninety nine. Still probably a little more than I would pay, but that's reasonable. Yeah. That's reasonable. They're like this is they're making products that us and our peers would buy. Yes. That's saying a lot. <clears throat> uh in addition, I, agree. I didn't know about this in time. In fact I saw about it I saw it on uh, Amazon before I saw it anywhere else. They also released a game um called Mr. Run and Jump. Yeah. And it's a, it was a limited edition game, also fifty nine ninety nine. And uh, unfortunately, like I just said, it's limited edition, just like I think uh, Outlaw is. And uh, if you look at this gameplay, it's like a um, Super Meat Boy kind of game. It's a platformer. You're you are Mister Run and Jump, and you are just running through levels, jumping over things. Like it actually looks really, really good. It does. I mean, yeah, it's twenty six hundred graphics, so don't expect like you know <laughs> to be Starfield or anything. But it's. Yeah, it, it looks like it's a. It looks like it's fun. That's what's important. So, uh, and then here, of course, all the ones I was talking about earlier, where they release these special editions that were way too much money and stuff. But um, what I didn't haven't seen in a while is I looked up just Atari's website and the current games. Yeah, <clears throat> and I really started looking into their Atari Recharged line of games that came out for Steam and modern consoles. And they have yeah. a bunch of stuff out now, and I still haven't tried it. I want to start. I, I need to get start getting into these. In fact, I'm, maybe I'll do a Cody's Corner where I just buy them all. Every once in a while, they'll, they're like nine ninety nine. Every once in a while, they go on sale for four ninety nine. But they have Quantum Recharge, uh, Caverns of Mars Recharge, Asteroids Recharge, Centipede Recharge, Black Widow Recharge, Breakout Recharged, Gravitar Recharge, Missile Command, and Yars. Not Revenge, just Yars Recharged. Now, were these games on that um, Atari 50th anniversary thing you could buy on the Switch and stuff? Were these the versions on that? Are these no, completely these are their own different? versions of things. So, for example, I'll just click on Black okay. Widow. I don't know how good this particular one is, but, man, they look like classic arcade wow. upgraded fun. So, here you go. Here's, here's upgraded Black Widow. Yeah, look at the graphics on that. And it feels that very much... Great. It almost feels to me like... Um, like classic games like um oh, I'm totally blanking what it's called right now. Two thousand, three thousand and four thousand. What am I thinking? Llamasoft. Oh, like uh um uh oh, god. Yeah, you're not t- Llamatron, but um The one where you're shooting down the well. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Why can't we think of this? Wow. Wow, us. Um Tempest. Tempest. Yes, it's almost Jeez. like the original Tempest and what they did it to it as they kind of moved on. That's what these feel like for these original games. Let's check out Caverns of Mars. Actually, it looked really cool. Let me just check that. So here's here's Caverns of Mars recharged. Um, we need, Can you we buy need, these in a bundle? I haven't seen that yet. Okay. Hmm. But man, they, like that they would look, be the way to go. They look like a whole lot of fun. <laughs> like I haven't given these wow, a shot yet. Would, yeah, I know. We need to give them a shot. So, Cody, can can Atari be doing something right? It, they're they're uh, they're making me feel right, Eric. 
They're giving me the tingles right now with what they're putting out. I'm starting to feel something. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> so excited about that. And Eric, what else are they doing? Okay, so another Atari. Man, this is Atari. This, we, we, we're going to have to title this uh, episode Atari. Atari go. Fest. Um, Arcade 1UP announces Atari 50th Anniversary Deluxe Arcade Machine. Yes. So this thing is going to have a ton of games on it. Um, I think it's 60 games or something. Sixty, uh, 14 Atari Arcade Classics and 50 2600 games. And, and but so here, here's the coolest thing about this, Cody. Take a look at the the cabinet itself. Yep. Look at the controls. It's got Joystick. All, it's got all the buttons. controls. Yeah, it's got a trackball for centipede. It's got a dial on there for something like Tempest. Um, the, it, the the control panel on this has all the controls you would want. Now I don't know if they're high quality or not, so um, who knows? But this thing has 14 arcade, classic arcade um, Atari games, plus a ton of 2600 games on it. Um, I think this looks pretty cool. So again, is Atari really doing cool stuff? They they seem to be. They seem to be. And Eric, how much was this going for? It's a, a four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. That's not bad. So there's standard ones that have like four games and a basic control panel are three ninety nine. And this one also yeah. is higher off the ground if you look at it. I don't think you have to put it in the little. That's right. The little it stirrup. comes with it. This is actually that's just what, taller. I, this I, is just taller. I guess. I guess Arcade One Up has started to come out with more like what they call like more of a premium line where they don't have they they don't you don't have to buy a pedestal for them. Yep. So they actually come up. I honestly think a benefit of the of them are that they're shorter and you can sit down at it like the one you have, Cody. You don't have the pedestal. I actually on yours, went, I right? bought the pedestal because I needed it. <laughs> OK, but yeah, I, I, I like the like the thought of being able to just sit down at one and play. Well, the thing it, is, right? I have these uh, bar stools, so oh, okay, when I, I can either sit on it or stand on it, and it's perfect height. But yep, okay, good. But Eric, so anyway, there it is. Wait, there's more because we were talking oh. about all the good Atari is done. So now we really got to hope and pray that they're going to keep doing that because this is the biggest news I've heard in quite a while. Atari, and according to Time Extension, they use the word gobbles up Atari Age. So wow. Atari Age is a huge retro gaming website, forum, place, a marketplace. It's it's where retro hobbyists go. And it's not just yes. Atari, it's everything. It's every, I've bought stuff through message forums on there from people. I've, yep. they have I've databases, done so much in Atari Age. Yeah. And it is now owned by Atari. Whew, right? Atari's making a play. It's been running for 25 years. Everyone's terrified of this, and for good reason, because Atari, until what feels like might be recently, has just been pooping the bed. Yes, um, they have. So, yeah, it, I, I think there's a lot of information and stuff and uh, I, that's on there that people, it's free to the public, it's publicly made and owned and created and loved, and it is now owned by Atari, so that could mean who knows what. We're not going to dig into what what we think could happen, but hopefully good things. Uh, some of this I did not hear. It, uh, they also mentioned the news follows hot on the heels of Atari's investments in Polymega. Oh, wow. And they also uh, invested, I don't know if it's just invested or purchased, uh, the retro cloud streaming platform Antstream. 
Yeah. And I did know that they purchased the gaming database Moby Games. So this is uh, this yeah. is crazy because the, the power is in, in their hands to debilitate the hobby if they don't do this well. Like, they, they have a lot of resources at their disposal that were public resources that are now their resources. Just hoping things go well. That's all I could say. <laughs> well, I mean, the reverse could happen. People are worried that Atari is going to screw up Atari age, right? Yeah. But the truth is they wouldn't have bought it if they weren't going to do something with it. I'm wondering if they might learn something from Atari age. Like, hey, people still love the Atari 800 XL. They still love the 1200 XL. They still love all these consoles, they might learn something from the forum and it might affect them. I mean, that you imagine like a mini, you know, like little Atari 800 XL or something. I was just going to say an 800 XL mini, Eric, that actually gets me excited right there. Exactly. I think that would be totally cool. So I don't know. Your positivity, Eric. Maybe they'll, positivity, Eric strikes again. (laughs) Well, I think that's, I think it's interesting. Atari, I think, is starting to get some good ideas finally. And, and they're understanding their, their consumer base better. We didn't want NFTs. We didn't want hotels. We didn't want coins, some kind of Bitcoin based on think, Atari. I don't think they thought their retro gaming customers wanted those things. I think they just wanted the monies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't we so all, anyway. to a point, want the monies? Yep. Uh, Eric, that just makes me fizz. <laughs> exactly so i don't want to go too far on this one because i haven't checked it out yet and i don't know if it's good or bad or whatever but indie retro news reports that there is an innovative platform puzzler for the commodore 64 um, called fizz and normally platform puzzlers aren't really up my alley i like platformers puzzle not so much but um but i will say the graphics on this one look pretty cool um, and it's another cool Commodore 64 game to tap into. A so. lot of people like puzzle platformers, so I'm glad you re- you reported on it. I have no interest in this because of my own personal bias against this type of game, just like you. Yep. That's so it truth. says, but- dive into a world of mind-bending challenges with Fizz, the innovative platform puzzle game for the 64. Test your wits and coordination as you explore 40 captivating single-player levels and 30 cooperative multiplayer puzzles. Get ready to flip, twist, and strategize your way through a puzzle-packed adventure like no other. And again, because we wrote, we read his uh, text verbatim there, that was uh, direct from Indie Retro News. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, oh, you got another, another, another one here. Yeah, go for it. I wanted to mention this one to you in particular, Ooh, Cody. I, I have not um, seen this, both, I don't think. We are both fans of Chrono Trigger, right? Yeah, that's um, a good game. I, I haven't beaten it, but I know you have. You beat Chrono Trigger, right? Uh, I would say I completed it. Beat means there was a challenge. This game was more of a game you play through. Yes, exactly. I, but yes, but I completed you experienced it. Yes. it all, right? I didn't know about this game, and I, I don't know. Again, this is news to me. Um, by Sabotage um, on Steam, there is an RPG called Sea of Stars. And if you look at the gameplay on this, um, it's gorgeous. It's like a 3D retro-inspired pixel style game um it has a fishing mechanic in it which i know both you and me love cody everybody loves a fishing mechanic in a game i don't care what type of game it is it could be a first person exactly. shooter and all of a sudden it's like now fish and i would do it for it's an supposed hour. to be um, um amazing soundtrack beautiful graphics 
and heavily inspired by Chrono Trigger. Um, it's supposed to have very, very unique combat mechanics. It's a turn-based kind of JRPG kind of deal. Um, I, I didn't know about this game until I ran across some article on it, and then I watched a bunch of There's a demo available on Steam, Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, so you can go download the demo and try it out. Um, I, I honestly think, man, if I had time... <laughs> <laughs> this would be I would want to grab this and just see if I could play through it. Um I don't have time, so I'm not sure if I'm gonna get it or not, but So this would be good I, this this is, this is my Cody's pro tip, right? And this is a very yeah. good example of this. This is a, a the perfect opportunity to and I know there's multiple websites that do this, but you can t- go Google, you know, in this case, Sea of Stars, how long is this game? And there are websites that give you game length. Okay. So say, hey, if you're trying to complete everything, it's 32 hours. Most people complete it in 22 hours, but if you're really pushing fast, you can do it in 15. So it gives you an idea of how much game it is. Because, yeah, if I see this game and it tells me I can, on average, beat this in 15 to 20 hours, oh, I'm down. If I get this and it's like, this is an 80 to 160-hour game, then nope. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because, I mean, I agree with you, but I, I will say most consumers probably go like, well, oh, 100 hours. I love that. Uh, I'm getting my con- my money's worth out of content, but I agree with you. Like, I can't – I'm just wasting my money because I'll play it for, like you're saying, like maybe 20 hours, and then I'm just like, hey, I, I, the end's not in sight, so I got to move on to other stuff. So. Yeah, I don't think it's any different than a lot of people go to the movies and, you know, like what movie came out recently? I think Oppenheimer and it's like three and a half hours. So pe- like yeah. a lot of people aren't going because they're like, it's too long. <laughs> yeah. Like we really wanted to see it. My wife's like, yeah, I really want to see a movie. It's really long, though. So it's not just, uh, so anyway, not see, just us. Sea of Stars. I don't know. I think it looks it amazing. Looks great. But yeah. So anyway, speaking of looking great. Yeah, I've got three ones real quick. I'm going to shoot right through them here so you and I can get to our yeah. next beer. So this I thought was cool. Eric, it is not a port. It is not portal. It is a port all demake. <laughs> portal demake. Por- portal demake. Uh, somebody went ahead and uh, it's a fan-made demake. Uh, and they are in the process of re- completely recreating the first portal game, which is brilliant for the nintendo 64 because why not and uh they actually made it so that you hold two nintendo 64 controllers the unique way they're put together (laughs) that's how you can use this like as a twin stick shooter basically and he's playing a twin stick portal game on the nintendo 64 and it looks like portal it's amazing it looks amazing and you don't hear about a lot of game development on the n64 like there's not a bit giant homebrew scene on it i mean there's some but it's not giant so well and the stuff that's there is a lot of 2d stuff or kind of hey i made a game but this is yeah this is portal man um here you go that's pretty crazy and portal's such a good game it's been a long time since i played portal too and i loved it yeah well then of course there is portal 2 which is hilarious and that's probably in my top 20 games of all time all right next this i had not heard about another time extension article in fact this one is uh from the first of september so but i can't believe i haven't heard of this but what's cool about this uh it it says rugrats the old nickelodeon show from when i was a kid is getting an nes platformer and it reminds us of bonk um what's cool about this is first of all the game looks like a very classy high tier nes game uh, but what's more interesting than that even is it says Mixed Games and Paramount 
are joining forces to create a series of neo-retro games based on famous Paramount movies and TV properties, first being Rugrats. So not only are they releasing a brand new, made specific for the NES, I'm sure they'll have versions for yeah, PC and consoles as well, but you can buy the NES game. It looks like an NES, like a Capcom title, the yeah, way the box is. And then and it's a cartridge. And look at the gameplay. I mean, so right here, this this does feel very much like Bonk because yours, what's this, his name? Stewie, I think? No. Chucky? I can't remember. I can't remember uh, what the kid's name in Rugrats, but the gameplay is so good. And it reminds me of, um, that's from Super Mario 2. Here's his dad on the couch. Now this looks like Bonk right here. This gameplay, um, I'm trying to go through the video as they talk here. This looks more like a standard platformer, but yeah, he bounces with his head, which is very Bonk. This is Super Mario 2 again, throwing blocks. It looks like a really good NES game. It really does. It looks great. Um, see what else they have. They don't have any information about how many they're going to make or charge or whatever. So I'm hopefully it's hopefully it's freely available and affordable, and I would love to buy a copy of that. Go ahead and check our show notes for that link. And last but not least, Eric, in a very similar vein, Compile is reissuing brand new msx cartridge of their shoot 'em up xanek wow i'm not a huge fan of xanek but i am no. a fan of msx games and cartridges by the way msx cartridges most there's a few very common games that go for like 20 to 40 dollars most cartridges are like 200 dollars. they're really really expensive um so they're they're creating new msx cartridge games I mean, it's again, it's Xanak. I don't particularly like this game. We actually did uh, do this particular game. We did, we did uh, Xanak on the MSX, but they're, they're, you can buy brand new ones now. So I'm hoping they keep doing that. Oh, that would be amazing. That would get me definitely back into my MSX. I mean, I, I never got out of it, but I had to put it off the desk, and I love the MSX. So yep. any opportunity to pull that out, plug a cartridge in would be great. Agreed. And Eric, thus ends the news. <laughs> Ooh. What was that, Eric? I got to juggle dudes as much as maybe I should have. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that little blast from the past? I do remember it. I don't remember what game we were talking about. I was talking about in a game. like Oh, we were, talk- oh, oh, we were talking about a game, Eric. Yeah, that's, that's, that's sure. right. That's right. I'm buying that story. <gasps> My beer <laughs> is pouring everywhere. What just oh, happened? No. Oh no, it's going to... Hold on. I'm going to have to shut down the show. It's on my Vectrix. Oh man. Alright, so fast forward in time here. I just cleaned up like a half a beer that just foamed over and spilled everywhere. Oh man. I heard Vectrex and I was like, no, save the Vectrex. I quickly ran and grabbed some paper towels and used like half a roll and... uh, Anyways, that was my segue to talk about the next beer, Eric. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's half gone now. It It is literally... It's close to half gone. That's how much beer just came out of this thing. So I'm going to open up uh, the same beer. I hope it's not like something about this beer that makes it explode. So here I go. Yeah, good luck, my friend. That seems okay. It's a tall yeah, boy, I, too. Yeah. I, did I pick I picked this one up I think right you did you did and it's hard to even so it's called this the name of the beer is this if you're saying you know if you go to the bar and you were to say I'd like a Budweiser or I'd like a 
in your case, I'd like a old Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's my favorite. In this case, for this beer, you would say, I'd like a thank you for not discussing the outside world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a mouthful. Um, it, I, I like the can, though. It's got nice colors on it. Um, it's bizarre. It's just kind of a very simple, like blue can with a couple of shapes and logos looking things on it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, and it's made by the Fair State Brewing Cooperative. Apparently it is a bright and citrusy dry hopped pilsner for those moments where you'd rather focus on the here and now. 4.9% by volume. It is a lager beer. And in my case, it is a half of a lager beer. That's right. Union made, cooperatively owned. Union made. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> Minneapolis. So, Eric, even though I've already spilt it all over the place and had to suck up the foam to try to save my beautiful antique vintage computers, cheers, <laughs> my friend. Cheers. I will say it is unlike the last beer we had, the uh, the Ale Smith uh, Oktoberfest. This one is definitely carbonated. Look at that. <laughs> Tell me about it, Eric. <laughs> and I'm a pro. I'm a I'm a pro at pouring beer. And look at that. It's got a frothy head. My my frothy head is all over the desk. <laughs> all over the desk. I had, luckily I had a bowl here where I just ate spaghetti for dinner and I shoved my can that was overflowing and erupting into the bowl so it caught some of it. Oh my goodness gracious. But anyways, it tastes like um tastes like a lager with a lot of flavor actually. Yep, so it's a dry hopped pilsner, but it definitely, and it says a bright and citrusy dry hopped pilsner for those moments when you'd rather focus on the here and now. It it definitely the citrus part really stands out. It there's a lot of it, and it's heavily carbonated. But another thing is it's kind of unfiltered. Look at that; like you can't really see through it. Yeah, I'd say it's a little viscous. It is um, bitter. And citrusy. Yep. I'm pouring okay. more into mine. Uh, yeah, I mean, this head, I, I, I don't want to keep going on, but it's it's a dense, it's a very thick, dense foam on the top of this beer. So it's interesting. Um, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't know. My, my foam is all gone. <laughs> You're drinking out of the can, too. I'm using I my am. Doug mug. I'm still going to reference that every time I use it. The Doug Thank you, mug. Doug. Ten mark. 10-minute Amigo Retrocast sent us these cool mugs, and I'm using one right now. Um, I'm ready to rate uh, it, though. Are we still going to go 32? No, I'm going to go 16 ounces. That <laughs> you've lost? <laughs> out of 16 ounces that you can pour out onto your desk, how many ounces are you going to pour out for this one? Um, out of 16 pour-out ounces, I'm going to... I'm going to give this one a... Trying to do the quick math here. I'm going to give this a, a solid 11. I was thinking 10 and a half. 10 and a half. So, yep. Uh, I find it refreshing. I do find the citrus a little too slap in the face. Like, it, it is a little too... Yeah, it's not, like, it's not like orange or lemon citrus. It's like that bitter zest citrus. Yes. I, exactly. Okay. Well, there we not, go. Not bad at all. I mean, this is refreshing. It's a good, would be a great little summer, little great summer shanty out in the backyard. Well, we, Eric, you and I, however, 
on this show, all we do is discuss the outside world. So, unfortunately... We do. We cannot be thanked by this beer for not discussing it. That's right. And next, we're going to discuss the outside world when it comes to the battle of the systems. Battle of the systems. <laughs> And again, this month, we are doing a battle chosen by Tim. Oh, <laughs> the, that, the battle is so large, the theme song had to play twice. Exactly. Um, Tim chose a couple of games. N- not No idea where he came up with uh, the first title. Yeah. It's just like, how about we play this one? Yeah. And it just it's like lets us into the wind, a little window into the mind of Tim. It's like, we <laughs> should play... Uh, Itchy and Scratchy's, what is it, Miniature Golf, Crazy Miniature Golf? Yep, so the the full title is The Simpsons, colon, Itchy and Scratchy in Miniature Golf Madness. So he's like, we should play that. Yeah. Now, let me let me go ahead and, and reestablish. He said we should play that. By the way, you'll notice he is not here. He has not played these games. <laughs> he has chosen to drop this grenade in our lap and run. Uh, and then, to his credit, said, uh, I'm not sure what other game to put it with, and I was trying to encourage him, Tim, this is your battle. You own it. Pick what you want. He's kind of threw out, well, there's a game on the Game Gear called Putt and Putter. I'm like, great, let's go with that. Tim, you're a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. <laughs> you're not. You're just not a good person, Tim. Um, what, what did you say before, right before the show started, Eric? Uh, I said that we're going to, I think Tim's going to take a short hiatus of, uh, of, uh, picking games and then running. If if he picks a game, he's got to play it with us. He's got to, he's got to endure whatever quality the game is. I hope Tim realizes like when I pick a game and I think when you pick a game, Eric, it's typically because we've heard about it and heard some good things or at least something interesting about it. So we're like, yeah, let's play those. We don't just like open the phone book and flip the pages <laughs> and shove our finger down. Like we're playing that because this happens. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we are making a <sighs> podcast, so I think it's important that sometimes we cover the not so great games either. So I think it's okay. You say that Eric, but you and I have talked about this for many years now. We're doing the podcast for ourselves. If anybody else enjoys it, that's for them. Yeah. That's great. Um, I prefer <laughs> to enjoy making the podcast myself. That being said, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek. I will tell you right now, these games are not as bad as we're making them sound right now. No. Uh, They definitely have some high points. So let's go ahead and dig into the dry stats, if you got them. Yep, so let's start with uh, that game that we just discussed. Uh, We're going to start with... uh, We never talked about the other one. Yeah, Putt and Putter. Putt and Putter on the Game Gear. That's right, but we're going to start with The Simpsons, colon, Itchy and Scratchy in Miniature Golf Madness. (laughs) That game. That game. Um, so we're going to start with that. And this was developed by Beam Software. Publisher is Acclaim. Acclaim's made a lot of games. Um, the designer is James Halperin. Uh, it is a game that is only on the Game Boy, uh, the original Game Boy, not the advanced or anything like that, just the original OG Game Boy. The release in North America came out November 1994. Um, in the EU is 94 as well. 
Um, it is a single player only game. So, which makes sense because it's on the Game Boy, unless you're going to pass it back and forth or something like that. They have the link um, cable. It's very cool. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. Um, it. Uh, let's just get right into it. Um, it is described as a side-scrolling action platform game um, based on miniature golf. So I, that's where I'm going to leave it until we talk about. That's our, a good description of it. Yeah, until we get into our reflections on it here. Um, why don't you go first? Do you want to go first or you want me to? I'll dig into it a little bit. Okay. So first of all, let's just talk about the overall gameplay. Yes. It's exactly what you said. And I've. it reminds me of the only other game I can think that's anything like it is Ninja Golf on the Atari 7800. Okay. Where it's almost like someone played that game and said, that'd be cool if they really fleshed this idea out. And then they did it. And said, wait, how am I going to sell this? And said, I will make it somehow reference The Simpsons by taking, <laughs> by taking yeah. the meta uh, comic or the meta cartoon from within The Simpsons, Itchy and Scratchy, and turning that into its own franchise. And that's what they did here. So basically, this is a side-on, which is already weird, right? Because you're talking about mini-golf, but a side-on mini-golf game where you are the cat, Scratchy, I believe, and you are trying to play a game of miniature golf while your arch nemesis, Itchy, is trying to murder you at every turn. And yes, the gameplay feels exactly like that. I'm trying to do this. Leave me the freak alone. <laughs> yeah. Stop trying to kill me while I play a nice game of miniature golf. Um, I will start by saying the opening screen and like the text and everything is very simpsons they did that part of it very well um i don't know what that what that text is but you just you see it and you think simpsons um i instantly see like matt groening's name uh but you are given nine lives to start which is clever because you're a cat and you're given a par for each hole uh and the pars are like 12 or 16 or some ungodly number and you are given a golf club and essentially, the gameplay, golf-wise, is uh, frustrating. I mean, is <laughs> <laughs> you you walk and you can uh, walk left and right, and you can jump just like an action platformer. But when you get to a ball, for some reason, you press up to put your put- putter down and get ready for a putt. So if you do that when you're slightly to the right of the ball, you'll be shooting towards the left. If you do that when you're slightly left of the ball, you'll be shooting towards the right. And when you're putting, you press, I think, the B button and hold it down to do like a standard mini go- or standard golf bar, power bar, and let go when it's at the distance you want to hit the ball in that direction. You don't have to worry about aiming. You're only going to hit left or right and at a certain distance. Uh, but you will come to know very quickly that you will rarely get a putt off without Itchy trying to kill you, in which case you have to press left or right or jump or do something to avoid him killing you while you are golfing. When you are not in the act of putting, you can use your golf club as a weapon, or there's other weapons you find throughout the stage, like a mallet, um, a flying disc, like a frisbee that somehow kills Itchy, it cuts him in, in, in half. Um... And uh, the game—that's pretty much the game. The 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 landscape can go uh, up and down. There's some 
some unique aspects of the game, like uh, you know, if you hit the ball straight and hard enough, and it goes up a little uh, lip of of the hill, it'll actually jump, and you'll need to jump certain things to get the ball where you need to go. There's pipes that the ball will travel down. There's these little elevators. You have to hit the ball into the elevator so it raises it to the next level, and then you jump up there to hit the ball over back. It's it's two games smashed together, and it feels like two games smashed together. What can you yeah. add to that? Yeah. So yeah, there. Are- I, I, yeah, let, let's talk about some of the pros on this game. Um, the animations are really cool. I mean, um, Scratchy is is a pretty big sprite on the screen, so he's b- very well defined. And for the Game Boy, I think he's very well animated. Um, his deaths are very well animated to whatever um, Scratchy is trying to do to him. You know, chainsaw, bazooka, whatever. Um, there's a tons of different animations for every death scene. So like grenades, bazookas, chainsaws, meat cleavers, dynamite, whatever. Um, and all the really? animations are unique. Um, yeah. When uh, you real first quick, hear- I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you a, a con to that though. At the yeah, same sure, time sure. is every animation is so well done with so many frames that it takes forever to actually attack. You're right. And she's right. coming at you and you press the button and you wait for three quarters of a second before he actually gets his, his attack off. And by that point you've been cut in half. Yeah. So that is very frustrating. Yeah. Also the size of him, like you said, means that the overall size of the screen is very small and you have no idea where you're hitting until you like memorize the level. That's right. Correct. Um, another con, um, and I've been trying to think of a way to describe this. So I'm going to, I'm just doing to do a stream of consciousness here. Um, you'll get, you'll get to the ball and you'll start lining up and you know that Scratchy's coming and this game becomes like one of these weird, like reflex psychological tests. Like <laughs> you'll see yeah. him on the side. If you see him, it's almost already too late. Like once you see him, you have to hustle to jump out of his way or use your weapon or something. But the problem is, is that you just see him in the periphery of your, of yeah, your eye, like, a, like a on the corner. Because the screen, yeah. yeah. There's not enough real estate. So this just becomes a weird reflex test. Like you'd get at the doctor to see if you have some kind of weird <laughs> vision you can see that. flaw or something. Right. But that's just what it becomes. It just becomes a reflex test. So, um, uh, it did that part it becomes very frustrating. Another thing is like when you first hear the music, um, it's great, right? You're like, Oh, this is a nice little tune. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. It's just a nice little tune, but the, after about three minutes, you are just so sick of it. And it's um, on this every level. It never changes. Every level never every changes. Hole. And I just noticed when you started this little video up that we're watching that, yeah, there is a way to turn the music off, but guess what? It's only at the beginning of the game. Well, in theory, you're using your handheld and you just turn the volume down. That's true. Yeah. But then you wouldn't get sound effects. I'm assuming this game has sound effects. I didn't try it, but. I don't remember them being very, very many sound effects. There might have been, but. Okay. Um. So we're watching the game right now. It's funny. He will, Krusty gives you golf tips at the end of each hole. So you kind of have to go back and play the game over again after you learn the tips. So like one of them, <clears throat> which is very frustrating, is if, you know, you have these giant hills. If the ball didn't make it all the way up the hill, while the yeah. ball is rolling back towards you, you have to press down 
while the ball is rolling towards you to stop the ball on the hill so it doesn't just roll past you. Yeah. So keep in mind, you have up to get ready to putt, down to stop the ball, B to jump, or A to jump, B to hit the ball, but you have to hold it and then let go. There's all these things, and you never hit the right button at the right time because it doesn't it doesn't become second nature by any means. <laughs> no, it's very it's not intuitive <clears throat> at all. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I it's it's strange. I, I it, <clears throat> well, I don't say this very often because I'm positivity, Eric, but I c- couldn't find the fun in this game. When I first booted it up, I was like, this looks really interesting. It's a little yeah. golf game. It's a platformer and golf game. How could this be bad? And I played it, and, and it's – in parts, it's not like it, – it's not a – well, it is a bad game, but it's it's like, <laughs> well, this should be fun. If you read it on paper – It's an you're awesome like, idea. This is an awesome idea. On paper, this game should be amazing, and it's just not fun. Now, what I will, I don't know how far you got. I will say that, like, the level one right here I thought was really interesting. And I actually kind of enjoyed learning how this level works because it's like this, um, I don't know, funhouse carnival kind of thing, I think. I don't know. Yep. And you're basically hitting the ball into these teeter totters and then jumping on the other side, and that launches the ball somewhere. And then you have to go up and get your ball and keep doing it. Um, there are like extra lives thrown around that you can just go pick up. There's erasers. And when you get an eraser, it lowers your score by a point. Um, but ultimately your, your goal is to play nine holes of golf and get the lowest score possible. And when you finish it, it just says, congratulations, you beat the game. Here's your score. So that's the game. I guess you can keep playing it, trying to get a lower score. Um, now I will say I've watched some of these videos and this guy is not doing it. He's playing it the way you and I, I think did. Yes. Um, and I did, I did get to, I think level five, um, oh wow! Before, you got further than I did. I think I got to I got to level three, and then I just gave up. Yeah, and you can lose your lives. I mean, you you only have so many lives, so you can lose the game, right? So it is a game you're playing through more so than score. But yeah. I guess the replayability is to try to get your score lower. But I watched a playthrough where their strategy, and it made sense. I just never realized that this is the case. Was literally to leave the ball alone, walk ahead in the le- in the level, and just kill all of the itchies. Because even though it's supposed to be one itchy trying to kill you over and over and over again. In the game, there's literally just instances of, of itchy. Okay. So I just went up there, killed all the itchies, and then went back and just played a round of golf. Oh, so they don't respawn. They don't respawn. That's interesting. So that it's might- kind of like, well, once you do that, now the game's boring because it's kind of broken. <laughs> um, but I think the later levels do get better. This one's the haunted house level. It's kind of cool. This coffin opens up, so you got to time it when the coffin's open so the ball shoots up and over this ridge here. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the mini golf aspects of this game are actually pretty cool. It's it's just having itchy come and try to attack you the whole time. That's a pain in the butt. That ruins all the fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the very end of each level, there's kind of if you want to call it a boss, but it's a uh, kind of like you know in a, in a mini golf game you have the the windmill right. You have to hit it into the hole or through the hole with the windmill. You have to time it just right. So they'll have like Krusty's tongue sticks out and then comes back, rolls back up, and then sticks back out again. You have to time it to get up his tongue. Um, so some of those I actually spent four or five hits just trying to finish the level. But, um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered the game. Yep. I think that's it. What do you want to rate this in? The music was terrible. I mean, I, I'm just going to reiterate yeah. that. The music was, uh, it's a licensed property. The least you can do is, is make some decent music. I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, also, the we- some of the weapons, you get these bombs that you throw. Those are impossible to hit anything with. Right. That's frustrating. Um, yeah. All right. We got a couple of golf games. Golf is 18 holes, typically. That's pretty straightforward. I don't know. Want to go with uh, 18 holes? Sure. Um, well, if you want me to go first here, I am going. I'm going to write this down so I can. I'm going to give this out of 18. I'm going to give this a solid five. Ooh, I thought you were going to. I thought we were going to match again. Actually, I I also went low. I'm giving it a seven. Seven. Okay, that's pretty close. I do. I do think like if you just took itchy out of it and made yeah. it. Made the aspect like the the actual golfing a little bit more intricate. Like you had to hit certain shots instead of just kind of hitting it full all the time. Yeah, I could see this game becoming a ten or eleven pretty quick. It's just the frustration and the the things that take away from the fun parts of the game. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Cool. That is Itchy and Scratchy in Miniature Golf Madness, The Simpsons, colon, on the Game Boy. I kind of got the <laughs> wrong direction, but you get, you get what I'm... You're picking up what I'm putting down. I am. Uh, next game is on the Game Gear, and that is Putt and Putter, Eric. Yep. Putt and Putter. So this one is... Uh, the developer is Sims, the publisher is Sega. Um, the platforms that this is on are the Master System and the Game Gear... And the interesting thing is the master system allows you to do multiplayer, which actually sounds like a blast in this game because you play simultaneously. So there's okay. almost this interesting element <clears throat> of joust, um, like where you can either be cooperative or you can be competitive where you're hitting balls together and knocking your opponent around. Um <laughs> But we're not here to talk about that game, Eric. We are not here to talk about that game. We are playing the Game Gear game, and there is not a multiplayer game on that one. So the release for the Game Gear one was 1991, um, and it is a single-player game on the Game Gear. Um, Putt and Putter is a miniature golf game um, that is in kind of an isometric view. There are 18 holes in the game, um, and it is often said that it is a cross between mini golf and pinball. I don't agree so, with that at all. You don't agree with that. Nope. Um, so we're going to discuss that element right there right now. So what do you think, Cody? What are your thoughts on this game? All right. So I'm going to describe it as, yes, it's isometric. Yes. Uh, first of all, when you first turn the game on, it is the most boring looking game in the world it is literally just green background with white text. Yes. It's like, do you want to play? Yes, I will play. Great. Start in on hole one. Oh, we don't have options. It's just go hole one. Okay. Defin- definitely not a lot of time was spent on the presentation of the of the game, the menus and what, what have you. There wasn't a lot of time spent on that. Nope. Nope. Uh, and then the, the gameplay goes like this. Um, you are very close to the ball and there's a square. And at first, it took me a while to figure out what you're supposed to do, but you're literally picking out where you want to put your ball within that square, so you can kind of select, kind of like a mini golf. Um, you know, you don't have to put it right on a tee, right in the center. You get to pick where you want to put your ball. And then the next little thing is really confusing. I'm like, what is it going on? I'm looking all over the map, but I can't figure out where I want to hit my ball. 
that's literally, I think, just a screen thrown on there so that you can actually look around to see where you're going to hit it because you're so close up to the ball. It is really hard to see any of the course you're playing. Right. You can before you take your swing, you can move the cursor all over the screen so that you can check things out. Yep. Then you hit a button again and it allows you to aim. However, where it chooses to start your aim, it, I only God knows. Uh, it, it never puts you directly at the hole. Sometimes it will just shoot you 45 degrees towards the fairway or whatever you want to call it, just right into a wall. No idea where it takes you, but you have to quickly and slowly, because for some reason it's very slow to move your cursor around, try to aim it somewhere else and hit this ball. Um, there's only, I think, two total obstacles in this whole game. One of them later on is like this kind of brown area that kind of slows your ball to a halt really quick. They have to hit much harder to get through. But throughout the whole game are these, I guess you can call them bumpers, and I guess that's why people think pinball. But they are basically, yeah, they're pinball bumpers. And when you hit them, your ball could be going almost so slow you can't even see it. It hits a bumper, which ricochets it and shoots it harder than you could possibly hit it across the play field in whatever direction. Uh, For some reason, once you hit the bumpers three times, they disappear. They disappear, yep. Uh, This level right here, Eric. Uh, So anyway, (laughs) then there's elevation. And elevation is 45 degrees angle. I don't care what hole it is you're going to be hitting up a 45 degree slope right. and the part that breaks the game for me I'm, so far all of it is doable and yes i would enjoy the part that breaks the game for me is when you select your your location you hit a button then you have this uh just like on neo turf masters this bar that goes all the way up and then back down pretty quickly the problem is the first half of that bar is almost useless because you're going to hit it like two inches in front of you and then the second half of that bar goes from I'm going to hit it a little bit of a distance to I'm going to smack the crap out of the ball. And there is almost no getting used to that. It is just the ball is going to fly all over the place. I had the hardest time trying to hit anything up a hill because I'd be like, too soft. It rolled back to me. Too soft. It rolled back to me. Oop, a little too hard. It rolled up the hill, hit a wall, rolled back down the hill, back to me. And I would do that for like literally 10, 12 hits in a row. Yeah. And then you're Um, way over your, your your score for that, that, the par for that, for that hole. Yep. And it'll just Um, shut you off. Yeah. I'll stop there because I'm just talking. You talk, Eric. No, I agree with every single thing you say. And the only thing I would elaborate on is that what you were talking about. So you, you have a square, you pick where you're going to shoot and then, then it lets you free travel your cursor around so you can look at the whole play field. Right. But what would make this game a little bit better is if when you are looking around, wherever your cursor is, and then you hit the button so that you can switch to to hit the ball, if you could just leave it where your cursor was. That way you could line up the shot better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't. You, you, you can basically move the cursor around before you start to take your shot. And then when you hit the button to take the shot, it snaps back and it doesn't, it just resets where you were lining up. Yep. And that's so counterintuitive to any golf game I've ever played, like a 3D <laughs> golf game. So that right there was really frustrating, and I did not like that part at all. Here's the strategy you need in this game. Okay. Just hit the freaking ball as hard as you can. Yep. Because it's going to randomly go around anyway. And the the interesting thing is when, unlike other better golf games, when there's a hole and you have to like ease it into the hole, 
because if you hit it too hard, it's going to hit the hole and bounce up and bounce off of it, kind of like mm-hmm. in every other good golf game in the world. Yep. That's not this game. You can hit that. You can hit the hole as fast as you want, and it still goes in. Yep. <laughs> so why not just hit the ball as hard as you can, let it bounce around, hit it again hard as you can, let it bounce around, hit it hard again, let it bounce around until it just hits the hole, and then it goes in. And that, that's pretty much the game. Did you see this whole this shot right here? I just had yeah. the guy literally instead of trying to go around the bumper, just hit it directly into the bumper, which ricocheted it back to a wall, which back went back to the bumper three times until the bumper disappeared, and then it went in the hole. Yeah. Um, that's actually kind of cool, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're right. But it's kind of game-breaking, but there you go. It's kind of cool. Um, so that disappears. I, yeah, I, I see will that. say that the backgrounds change, and actually I, the backgrounds make this game look go from look, looking terrible to actually looking okay. Uh, there's like water and then on certain levels there's the lava and there's some other things that actually keep some interest if it wasn't for that background this would be probably one of the worst looking golf games i've seen in my life right it's almost like the some of the levels look a lot like marble madness um marble madness looks way better than this (laughs) it does it does i'm just i said it kind of looks like it for a handheld console it kind of has that isometric yeah view and there's there's up and down ramps and stuff like that so yeah Yep, so I think in this game there are a total of 18 holes. Um, I think yeah, and there if you were, actually finish... Yep, there are 18 holes, yep. And it's funny because it's another one of these games, kind of like Itchy and Scratchy, even though this is a true mini-golf game, where if you actually complete the 18 holes yeah, without parring out or like going too far over par, it does actually say, congratulations, you cleared the game. It's like, congratulations, you beat our awful golf game. <laughs> Um, and then there's some terrible credits that have one name names. Like they don't even have their last names. They're just one name names. And then that's the game. I didn't get that far. I'm just watching a YouTube video. Uh, I, so when you get too many, too many strokes on a hole, it like resets you two holes back or something to that effect. So it's not really a continue. It's like a, well, if you want to restart, we're not going to put you at the very beginning, but you're not starting on this hole again. Right. And it pushes you back. Uh, and what about the music, Eric? <laughs> another re- another similarity to Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah. It, the music is... I, I don't even... I hesitate to even call it music. Um, it's, it's not very good at all, and it's very, very repetitive. One song, entire game, again. Yeah. So I don't know what the deal was with either of these games, because they... We both played games on both of these platforms that had good music and yeah. varied varied music over the game. So I don't know what the deal was, but it 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 it's lacking in both for sure. Yep. Eric, out of eighteen holes, what do you feel about putt and putter on the game gear? Who's gonna win this battle? Yep. So I am gonna give this six out of eighteen. You liked one, it a little bit more. One a better. A little bit more. I found it a little bit more interesting uh, if I had to contrast them. I found it a little <sighs> bit easier to play. Um, it, there was less frustration, but just more randomness. So it kind of canceled it out. But oh, For me, the frustration was higher on this game because of just 45-degree hills that you just can't get up. Okay. I'm going to also drop this one a point from Itchy and Scratch and give it a six. 
Give it a six. Okay. okay. Which I think means both games tie. <laughs> they do. They they tie in the crapper. They tie in the crapper. And Eric says, I didn't juggle dudes as much as maybe I should have. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe it would have made the games better <laughs> if I juggled dudes. I don't know. Now, Eric, before we move on, mm-hmm. I have to play it this because okay. I decided after I was all done, made my assumptions and did everything, I'm like, so is the Master System game just as bad? Because, all right, here's the truth. The Game Gear is actually a more powerful system than the Master System. Yeah. Although the screen does have a lower resolution. Much, yeah. Uh, but you can show more colors at once on the screen. It has more processing power and everything, right? Yeah. So what does the Master System version look like? And the answer is... It graphically looks much better. It's not just text. It has information and options. Yeah. And the gameplay, when you see the gameplay on the Master System version, you're like, oh, that's what they were trying to do. You're like, right. You I, see the whole course. It looks really fun. It does. And they don't just have the bumpers. They have these like switches like that, right? There's like these conveyor belts. But if you hit that switch right there, yeah, shuts the conveyor belts off. So now they're not pulling the ball one way or another. They still slow the ball down, but they don't do that. Um, the edges here don't bounce in when they're lit up. So they're not. You can't just bounce the ball all over the place. You have to like be careful with where you're hitting the ball. The bar goes further across the screen, so there's more minute detail on how hard you're hitting it. The the elevation on ramps and stuff varies. It's not just 45 degrees all the time. It you're looks right. Fun. It, it, <laughs> it looks, looks really fun. Not to mention, like I had mentioned in the beginning, it it has a two player option where you play simultaneously. So that would be pretty. That'd wacky. be that'd be interesting to try. I'm not sure how that would work, but yeah, it's, uh, but, it, I think it would add some interest to it. No, this looks way better. There's a lot more real estate, so you can see ahead of your shot a lot better than on the Game Gear. Yeah, and there's um, a lot more creativity with the levels, because, probably because they can fit more stuff on the screen at once. Yep. You know, it's not, this game is almost a puzzle, mini golf puzzle game as opposed to a, just a terrible mini golf game. Yeah. Um, See, so there's some really skill cool. there. Yeah. And so, you yeah, can, this ju- one you seems can just to smash the ball golf. in the hole. Yeah, it seems to require more golf skills. This game looks fun. I kind of want to play, <laughs> maybe, maybe next year we play putt and putter. Yeah, master system versus something master else. System. Well, that's good good to know. Could be good. Cool. Eric, that is an episode of Pixel Guide In. Excellent. Again, next episode, Cody's Corner. I will be talking about the Evercade release, Sydney Hunter, the four-pack. We are going to go ahead and catch up with our buddy, Tim Drew. And we are going to cover six good games with dragons in them. That should go go better. (laughs) And if that doesn't entice you, you'll get another opportunity to hear my operatic patron song. Yes, indeed. And thank you for the beers. Sorry one exploded Beer on you. Beer and a half. <laughs> I'm literally going to have to go get some like baby wipes and clean this off before it just turns into sticky and smells like a bar tomorrow when I'm working in here. Exactly. Uh, all right, Eric. Cool. Uh, I guess all we have left to do is say... It's It's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. 
You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account, that's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input, so hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.